1: Welcome to Brother Date Star Treks edition. I'm Matthew.
2: I'm Judah. I Week was, 65.
1: I was told I wasn't allowed to say the real name of the show because of all the bad things we say about them. So I have to I almost said Star Trek, <laughs> eh, but I said Star Trek's. so I
2: can't be sued. Uh first of all, let's be clear, nobody at Viacom told us we couldn't <laughs> couldn't say it.
1: It's still the funniest part of marjan telling us we should try to get on Star Trek.com is the idea of putting a podcast on (laughs) Star Trek.com entirely about how bad Star Trek is, how all of the people involved in it were hacks forever. Every single one of them. And a lot of perverts.
2: How awful the writers are. Yes. The (laughs) writers writers are the main villains of this show.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I just, you know, I just I don't think they're gonna
2: be that no no we've repeated all of the allegations of mistreatment of the <laughs> female guests like yep. there's a lot of stuff they don't want out yeah. in the wild i don't think it would be
1: i don't think they're that interested in uh uh being transparent about yeah, we're
2: not on. getting invited to the picard show premiere for sure no it's too bad we could
1: get to see bloated data or the b4 or whatever's happening anyway yeah it's week 65 of this project uh who finished last last
2: week Last week, uh, last week's worst episode was an episode called "Through the Looking Glass" oh. by Deep Space Nine. No Real trash. Uh, this week, we watched an episode called "Improbable Cause."
1: Bashir and Garrick, always a good start, are having their usual lunch, only this time Bashir is like in a real hurry. Bashir gets up to leave, and an annoyed Garrick agrees to go with him, but when Garrick gets back to his shop, which he hates, it straight blows up! (laughs) Uh, Garrick's only wounded, but his shop is done for. Uh, Credits. Uh, they find traces of a possible explosive in Garrick's shop, and when they confront Garrick about who might want him dead, he pretends badly that he has no idea. Uh, Odo and Garrick are, like, trying to see if they recognize any names on, like, ship manifests that have been coming in lately. When O'Brien comes in with a lead on a Flaxian assassin, whom Odo brings in for questioning. Um that's a long scene. Uh, He and O'Brien plant a tracking device on the Flaxian ship and Odo goes to follow him in a runabout. Garrick is waiting for him in the cockpit and he insists on going with him and off they go. Garrick promises it'll be an interesting trip. Uh, The Flaxian ship is about to go to warp but it explodes. They eventually begin to think that the Romulans might could have done it and when they talk to the Romulans they fess up right away. Yeah, and say, "Yep, we killed that guy. We got our own reasons. Uh, he was definitely wanted, and in the Romulan Empire, that just means you can plant an explosive on his ship or whatever."
2: Yeah, the Romulan has a real "What are you going to do about it?" attitude. He decides
1: <laughs> this Romulan lady is not impressed yeah. by Cisco. She's like, "Oh, a whole commander is calling me? Great."
2: Yeah, Cisco and the Romulan's not getting along
1: right now. No, and we talked about his obsession with recruiting them, so he's probably pretty disappointed with the way that went.
2: Yeah, we'll see if he's prescient. We'll see if the Romulans have any bad intentions or... <laughs>
1: yeah, or involved in this in any way.
2: It's weird that they just keep showing up here in Deep Space Nine. It's supposed to be about Cardassians, but... Yep.
1: Uh, Odo and Cisco still think the Obsidian Order has something to do with it, too. So Odo flies off to meet an old Cardi contact uh, who owes him a favor.
2: Because of Garrick, right? Because for some reason Garrick keeps pretending he was not in the Obsidian Order, although every single person on the station knows that he was and would swear on a Bible that he was. This is
1: essentially correct. They don't have any evidence that the Obsidian Order is involved, but the fact that Garrick, every time they ask him, goes, "I don't even, I don't even know what that is." I, An uh, Obsidian
2: Order, you I say?
1: Because I like, is that like a rock? That's kind of rock, right? Is that a color? What are we talking about? So I think, yeah, every time he denies it, they go, the Obsidian Order must have something to do with this. Uh, Anyway, Odo meets this guy in a weird, mysterious cave. Uh, This Cardi spy says that um, this is just a piece of a much larger puzzle and that there's been a secret military buildup in the Romulan Empire that the uh, Cardis have been keeping an eye on. Uh, Anyway, five other ex- Operatives of the Obsidian Order died the same day as Garrick's bomb incident, and this guy says the Romulans are to blame. Uh, Odo comes back to DS Nine, and he loses his temper with Garrick and uh says he pulled him into this investigation, so he better start uh, telling the dang truth. Garrick blew up his own shop to get Odo involved, which Garrick didn't think anyone would figure out. Yep, but later we'll we'll figure out that he. He did think they'd figure it out. Anyway, uh, Garrick says Anabrentain <laughs> probably did the murdering since they were all associates in the way back. You remember Anabrentain. He's talked about him before.
2: I think we've even met him before.
1: He's uh, his old boss.
2: <clears throat> we met him when uh, Garrick was dying, right? Oh, you're right. Yeah, he went when to he go visit him. When he had the pain him. bomb in his brain.
1: Bashir went to go visit him.
2: Yeah, Bashir went and visited him. Uh, he's Ga- one of these uh, fat, cardass- he's, you Now, he himself is not uh a leggate, but he's like high up.
1: He's living that legged life.
2: Yeah. He's got that he's got a legged bod.
1: Yeah, yeah he does. Um uh Garrett calls an old lady named Mila and asks to talk to Tain, who left yesterday in a great hurry. He's in some kind of trouble, she's sure. So Odo and Garrick uh get back in the runabout and head out to Cardi Space, I guess? Oh, okay, the uh Unifra system. Yeah. Anyway, they don't make it, so who cares? Odo and Garrick spar a bit in the cockpit and then a Romulan Warbird uncloaks and tractors them in. Uh they're boarded, and then um they are aboard the Warbird and they're taken to meet Tane, who's got like a nice little office on this Romulan. Yeah, I wonder, Warbird.
2: Where in the Warbird do you think that office was? Is it in the front with all the which kind of is like an office building? The front part's kind of an office building in my imagination. <laughs> the
1: superstructure is what we're calling that.
2: Yeah, or is it maybe way out in that little uh, tailpiece? The little <laughs> tailpiece in the back?
1: I hope they put him right in the belly. I
2: don't think it could be in the wings. Right, right in the little
1: belly, right on the bottom.
2: It's There's kind of a backpack. There's kind of like a spine on the Romulan Warbird that you only see from above.
1: He's in the belly, and on the schematics you can see it just says Tane's office, and Tain's there's office. nothing else. Yeah. Um...
2: He's gotta he's gonna go all the way to the he's gonna go all the way to the office building at the front to use the bathroom. There isn't even a bathroom <laughs> there. Like, and there's only one there's only one turbo lift that goes there
1: too and I he's have to walk wait.
2: half a mile to go to the bathroom.
1: He gets in and like nine other buttons are already lit up and he's like, Son of a bitch, it's gonna take forever to get to my office. Um Tane tells them that uh, his fleet of Romulan and Cardassian vessels will travel through the wormhole and attack the Dominion. They all cloaked and everything, even the Cardi ones. Uh, they've been building a fleet in the Uriah system for a while now. You might remember that. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. They're going to eliminate the Founders' homeworld in one big strike. Um, the Central Command has nothing to do with it. Neither has the Romulan Star Empire. What are they called these days?
2: Uh, I, you know, if I Whatever were going to take are. a cue from Star Trek Online, I would refer to them as the Imperial Navy. Okay, well, they ain't got nothing to do with
1: it neither. It's purely a black ops project from the Romulan Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order. Um, Tane did try to kill Garrick. Mm, He did hire that flaxian assassin, but as Odo figured out earlier, that guy uh, he he was gonna poison him. Yep. Um. Anyway, he did it so that uh, uh, Garrick wouldn't come after him with any I don't know any blackmail stuff or anything. Once he's back in power, because he's sure this is all gonna work out super good. Um. Yeah, he's making a comeback. He asks Garrick to join him, and Garrick agrees to to be continued that is
2: yeah if I can just expand that a little bit hmm. uh, Garrick feverishly denies that he ever betrayed Tane and Tane says he believes him and welcomes <laughs> him back and there is an undercurrent that there is something going on between these two mm-hmm. that their relationship is a little bit more than just uh, Garrick used to work for this old boy
1: yeah he feverishly denies that he betrayed him and then waits, takes a beat and then adds at least not in my heart
2: right yeah that is true he does say it, at least not in my heart <laughs> which
1: seems to indicate
2: he probably that he may have him. done some he did some light betrayal yes
1: yeah and then that's where we're left that's a cliffhanger i guess even though like you said this is a two-parter with uh two different episode names as opposed to the uh the classic star trek parts one and two or whatever but um so it's always tricky with a part one but what was this episode trying to say
2: So, there's a lot of stuff is going on in this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the behind the scenes, this episode was going to be a standalone episode for a long time until very, very late in its development. And I think that's why. So, there's there, it's paced a little strangely, and we can talk about that. Yes. Um, so, I played around, I kicked some stuff around, and I think the message in this episode is that facts are less interesting than human motivations. Okay. Like everyone is so into this fucking mystery because it's about Garrick and they're constantly trying to figure Garrick out. Yep. At every step of the investigation, the who of the mystery is like takes t- t- takes a constant backseat to the why. Right. Even the cliffhanger to the episode hinges on the relationship between Garrick and Tane. And there's tension for part two about odo's relationship with the founders hmm I think this is a this is a true it's a real insight like we have a lot of curiosity for uh in our culture for true crime and serial killers Ugh,
1: no, that's for sure it's fucking it's everything. not
2: really about the facts of the case right It's about these weird people and what they're getting out of this stuff and yeah it's not just uh it's not just raw numbers and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think this gives a lot of advice. I think this is just sort of an insight. But it's true. There's nothing wrong with it. I gave it a down-the-middle five.
1: I was in full agreement. Uh, I also gave it a five with nobody can resist a good mystery. So I think we were on the same wavelength. Uh, So Garrick just lies to everyone all the time. Um, He sets a bomb off on the station, which you'd think... No one seems really worried about that after the fact, but we'll talk about that later. Um, He's iced a bunch of dudes in front of these guys in the past. All of that shit. And everybody wants to help Garrick. Yeah. Bashir is like, wants to be his best buddy, is always fucking kissing up to him. Odo is super invested in this investigation and is like, is sure Garrick is the key to all of it. Sisko is involved. Fucking O'Brien gets in on this business. And I think it's just because they can't stand not knowing what his entire deal is. What is Garrick? Why is he here? Why doesn't he ever tell us the truth? Why are his lies so transparent?
2: It is a very good question.
1: And in the episode, Bashir talks about the boy who cried wolf when he's when Garrick's like, I, I didn't blow up my shop. Why do people keep saying I did? And he's like, well, you know, because you lie so much. But actually, it's sort of the opposite of what happens. The more he lies, the more people want to fucking get in his business and figure out what's going on and maybe it has to do with what his retort to Bashir was that uh, the real lesson is never to tell the same lie twice maybe he's keeping it interesting um but anyway no matter how much he lies they keep trying to find out the truth they keep trying to befriend him they keep trying to unravel the mystery of Garrick again I was exactly the same thing it's like it isn't really it doesn't need to be the take of an episode it doesn't really do anything for anybody it's a hundred percent true But, uh, yeah, so it's a five for me as well. Uh, Ben also gave it a five. Um, An exile still loves his motherland and will come when called. So I guess maybe something about the uh, the pull of your home.
2: (sighs) It seems to be the case for Garrick, although it's less clear whether it's about Cardassia or about Tane. Yeah. Uh, the w- thing I worry about for that take is that uh, he is standing right next to Odo. Mm-hmm. And Odo can, has so far twice refused to call to return to his homeland.
1: I mean, except for that whole O'Marian Nebula weirdness.
2: Yeah, but like once he was guy. there and learned about these dudes, he left right away. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, the Kira ruse failed to bring him too. He,
1: well, he also didn't report it.
2: Oh, yeah, that is true. He has
1: been holding on to that one, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think he kind of split that one down the middle. He's like, "Well, I'm not going home, but also I'm not going to try to get my buddy in trouble, my my shapeshifting buddy. I ain't gonna get
2: him. I ain't a snitch." That's the problem I have with that. With that take of Ben's is that I, having Odo right there calls it into question. Um, he's a six on execution. Okay. He says, pretty good dialogue and acting. They let some of the better actors off the chain a little bit. Mm -hmm. Story gets big right at the end. Um, Well, we know why that is. Uh, Secret invasion of the Dominion to wipe out the founders. Nice idea, Ben says. So cool. That's cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Ben's a real pro Pearl Harbor. (laughs) <laughs> that's right you heard it here first guys
1: it's a, it's a cool sneak attack idea uh he that's what the, episode... the history
2: books have recorded about pearl harbor that it was a super cool, cool sneak, sneak attack, attack. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 he thinks the idea lacks uh or that the episode lacks resolution because the big setup comes right at the end sure
1: uh i agree with ben i gave it a six um they only Okay, so let's talk about the take. They only do this take because of the fine character they've created or maybe the fine actor they found in Garrick? Um yeah.
2: Which seems like it's perpetually surprising them, right? That's why he's not in 10 episodes a season.
1: Yeah, where he just doesn't show up for weeks at a time and you're like, "Where the fuck's Garrick?" But then when he shows up, it's like, "It has to be about Garrick because he's the only one who's capable of making it interesting." <laughs> And I think it's an accident. I think they did create an interesting idea for a character, this uh this fucking expatriate, this possible spy, whatever his deal is, his the whole mystery. But also the actor as we've talked about many times is having such a fucking good time yeah. playing this guy.
2: It really I think really it makes you root for him how good a time he's having. Yes, yeah, that's right.
1: Uh, the showrunners have actually showed, I hate complimenting them, but they've showed incredible restraint in not giving you the Garrick
2: download for these first three seasons. And you know for sure it would have ruined it.
1: Yeah. But by holding off and being like, we're just not going to tell anyone about Garrick because honestly, we're probably making it up as we go along, um, it means that you actually do want to know the whole story. And so when they finally take you on a Garrick journey, um, you can kind of overlook that very little happens in this episode in terms of... All the scenes are like three times as long as normal scenes. Oh, yeah. Because either they figured out they were going to do two parts and they needed to slow this thing down or whatever. But you can also over- overlook the fact that they got... This guy that got to play Tane is some like boring, cornfed fuck.
2: Yeah, Tane is... Not Dukat. I'm uh am an older white man. He doesn't, he doesn't even have that. like so he's playing one of these uh villains that doesn't have any menace. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where you have to be like, I don't know, he seems so jolly. <laughs>
1: he's like Could he really be? You tried to blow up your own shop. Hmm. I always knew you had it in you, Garrick, and you're like, What's going on here?
2: Yeah, and it's like, I could, I guess I could see that working, like, at some point, if you really stuck with it, like, if we saw Tane a bunch of times, you could be like, it's actually, he's a little more menacing because he's so jolly.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like... Like, you know
2: all the horrible shit he's doing, but he's...
1: It's kind of like how Uh, uh, What's-Her-Name, Kai-Win, is mostly playing Wooden, but just a real bitchy Wooden. So that over time, you're like, nah, she's just a straight bee. Like, she just <laughs> loves saying shit, kind of deadpan, and just insulting the shit out of people, and telling Kira that if she wishes, she can stay even as long as a week at the monastery. And you just go, oh! You can stay as long, said, as, you as long as you want. Even as long as a week. And I was like, oh!
2: Oh! That was ice cold. <laughs>
1: So yeah, maybe it would be like that. But uh, the, all I've gotten out of this guy so far is that he's some kind of fucking older white guy who doesn't do much. Um, anyway, but I get why you would do an episode like this. It's not a bad time to jump in. Like, like it's time to to sew some of this Garrick shit. Um. So in a sense, it's good that not much happens in this. We we get to have much longer scenes with Garrick and Bashir, Garrick and Odo, Garrick and Tane, Odo and the Flaxian odo and his cardi spy contact like you get some longer form scenes with good dialogue but also you don't feel like you're watching a big flashy part of a big two-part event because like we talked about everything important happens right at the end yeah so it just kind of feels i don't know like it was i it was kind of dull even the way they handle the reveal that this is um uh, a mega secret fleet that's about to go to the gamma quadrant and blast changelings kind of passes without much comment. It's kind of, it's like oddly unaffecting to people in that room and people at home. Uh, still Garrick is fun. The actor's fun. Odo gets to do a lot in this episode and I think does a pretty good job and, uh, sets up a big part too. So it was a six for me.
2: Uh so I had I had it one better. I have it as seven. Okay. The I think they did a very good job of avoiding techno babble in this episode. O'Brien like ducks in a couple of times with a clue from the tricorder. Both times they're like real clues and not red herrings. Mm -hmm. And then he ducks out and it's uh it's like they just advance that to bring the Flaxian in to get the Romulans on the line, right? Like Yeah. So that's good. We know Voyager would not. No,
1: Voyager that. would make all the problem entirely Technobabble and the solution entirely Technobabble. Right. So that nobody learned anything.
2: Right. Whereas this is a mystery story that is mostly about personal connections and detective work. Right. I think some of the one episode structure shows through. Yeah. Like I said, I, this is not, they did not write this like it was going to be a two-parter. And it. It weakens it to some extent. Yeah. Um, however, this is mostly good stuff here. Uh, Odo and Garrick is kind of a new pairing, seeing these two guys together. Mm-hmm. But they, they work well, and I think they work well particularly because Odo's curiosity about Garrick is of a different Flavor than Bashir
1: Yeah Bashir is like This guy's so cool right God he's so yeah. mysterious and
2: cool Bashir's like this guy's fucking James Bond And I bet he never does anything but James Bond shit And <laughs> I want to know all the James Bond shit Whereas yep. Odo is much more interested in uh, uh why, why do you tell these lies And you're all alone here. And is there anybody that means anything to you? And yeah. is this is all a calculation and and so on and so on. So the, they're very different. And that allows you to explore different facets of Garrick. So yeah,
1: I always like I it think, when they pair up new people anyway, but a lot of the time in Star Trek, the actors can't handle it because they aren't right. so very good. But, um,
2: but these two, these yeah. two work it out. Yeah. I, we've seen before, I think, Odo is best in one-on-one scenes with other characters. Mm-hmm. And when he's in a group and he just says his ridiculous nonsense, you're like, eh.
1: Yeah, when he just says, justice, justice, justice. Right. But go. when he's okay. working
2: working against one other actor in scenes, it, it usually works out pretty good.
1: Like we saw in this episode with that flaxseed. And I, I rather liked that interrogation scene.
2: Oh, well, the yeah, you you glossed over it, but the the guy with the perfume and uh, combine auto combining the perfumes and
1: and the guy is totally chill and totally chill until he maybe has combined something that will be uh, gaseous Release or, a heart attack gas, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They can make heart like, attack gas. The guy's like, I don't, I don't think your friend would like that scent or whatever. Sorry, I made him, I made him sound like the guy. My friend doesn't like you or whatever. <laughs> the Star Wars guy. Then Dr. that guy Avazon. comes in the room, they were having a drink together, it got pretty weird. It, it, Hold
2: on, let me get one clean for, for Bari. Dr. Evazan? <laughs> That's
1: right. Uh, just to prove that you know the names of the Star Wars. That's right. Yeah. Uh well I know. Dead. I know Lobot. And I know <laughs> Droopy McCool. And I don't really need to know anybody else.
2: <laughs> you know Droopy McCool.
1: So what else do I need? I know Ifantmon? Like what do I need?
2: That's a hell of a. Well, you know if I'm on because we have done lists of the craziest Star Wars names before. Droopy
1: McCool must have made it onto that list. Uh, probably, yeah, yeah almost there's, certainly. There's no way he didn't. Um. <laughs> all right, so we've been. I mean, we're pretty high on this so far.
2: This yeah, is the top good half end. is is pretty good stuff here so far. Um, let's uh, swing into world building. Okay. Ben's a four. Pheromonic triggers on devices. Flaxian assassins. Romulans are warlike in this one episode and assassinate people. Ironically, he doesn't give any points or mention at all the Tal Obsidian Order collabo, Mm. all of the war stuff. But I guess we're going to actually see that next week. So yeah, we'll get more. There'll be more details. Um, I am a point higher. I'm a five. Okay. We, we have thoroughly explored the, well, I actually, when I say thoroughly, there's room for even more. We have explored the disconnect between the Obsidian Order and the military in other episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode suggests that the Tal Shiar and the Romulan military have a similar relationship. I wonder if they learned it from the Cardis. Yeah. Or I mean, maybe we'll learn
1: in that Face of the Enemy episode that it's just always been like that. I don't know.
2: Uh, We've got a couple of things. Garrick's cover story for his exile is tax evasion. <laughs> in this episode, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't say that like it's new information, but I, d- I don't think it's ever come up before, but apparently that's the, his cover story. Yeah,
1: he finds it dubious that the uh, Cardassian Tax My Bureau or well, yeah, yeah whatever, whatever he says is uh, responsible for blowing up his shop or whatever.
2: Um, This episode explains some things from the episode Defiant. Yes. So th- this is all happening in that system that uh, Riker 2... Thelonius was, was stealing the <laughs> Thelonius was stealing the Defiant To go attack It also explains why those ships seem to come out of nowhere Because as we now know they can cloak uh-huh. Uh huh Actually we don't see them cloak in this one Because for some reason Tane is on a Romulan warbird And I don't know why that should be
1: Um oh it's probably the same reason Archer was on that Andorian ship last week Just uh ego pure ego
2: Okay pure ego I'm in charge though I'm Tane Uh, The Romulans know where the founders are because of the data data Cisco shared with them uh, in uh, whatever that episode was where nobody knew that Romulan ships were powered by uh, Singularity. which
1: also clears up some stuff because we were wondering why it was so important to get that information that they came all the way out to
2: DS9 to get it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) To find out where the damn founders are. Yep. Which also suggests that those two Romulans... May have been Talshiar, or I don't know. I guess if the military gets information that Talshiar is going to find it, huh? Yeah, probably. Um, I think we probably, this is probably the best strategic assessment of the Alpha Quadrant versus the Gamma Quadrant. Like, who thinks that this is a serious threat, what they're prepared to do. Mm-hmm. The Romulans and the Cardassians are kind of minor isolated powers. So, but this is a big blow they can strike, team up together.
1: Yeah. So
2: yeah, um, for all of that, I think this is uh, more than the usual amount of world building. The only thing is because no one in the Federation ever figures out what's going on, we have no idea what how what the response is to that, so they're kind of left out of the world building here. Yeah. So I'm a five.
1: I um I had it even one higher. Um. So it's a six for me. Uh, let's see. The Illusion ambassador breathes fluorine and shit. He can't see red or orange. We get all this when Bashir's having a talky talk with uh, Kira in the teaser when the fucking explosion
2: happens. He breathes hydrofluoric acid, which will dissolve glass. And so it ruins the it's carpet. bad
1: stuff. They can't have the carpet in there either. Yeah, I'm huge.
2: surprised it's just the carpet. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, we know they got that transparent aluminum, so they must be good. That is true. Um, uh, I bet it eats aluminum. You <laughs> have a strong theory that it eats aluminum. Uh, can we talk about why people might need a tailor in the 24th century can't they just replicate them shits
2: you would think that they could just go to a holodeck get scanned up Mm -hmm. and then just make clothes that are the same shape as the body shape
1: yeah like going to the mall would just be you go to the holodeck and you're like you're just picking from all the catalog and then the clothes are on you and then it just saves the measurements or something
2: right, I, it's what I would expect, yeah, I don't know, um I mean a tailor, I guess uh I guess we should presume that a tailor could still provide the service of knowing where the sleeve should land on you to look good,
1: well yeah, so I was gonna say maybe like a stylist. they' can still,
2: like they can see the clothes on you in a way that you can't, even in a mirror, although with a holodeck you could. Yeah, you could just see straight. yourself in the clothes. You
1: mean like when you create a player on Madden, you just like fucking spinning all around, you going, I don't yeah. know, I don't, I don't like these new style helmets, I like the ones that give you the CT. I mean, you could,
2: yeah, you could loll it up in the holodeck, but you know, I don't know, maybe Hollow Suite access on DS Nine is a little bit restrictive.
1: Bro, you can even make a Hollow Troy to sit there and neg you the whole time.
2: Be like, that doesn't <laughs> seem like a good idea, but if you want, you'll be the only Andorian. If you want no
1: one to talk to you and say bad stuff about you behind your back, I
2: guess. People on this ship don't like you blue skins. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: Uh, pheromonic sensor detects a specific species and triggers a bomb. Uh, Oda was racist and says Flaxians um, Flaxians use those fucking things just as a rule, I guess. Um, Japori 2 is where this Flaxian may have murdered a guy a ways back. Magneton Relay. The Obsidian Order and Toshiar can build a fucking battle fleet together without either of their governments noticing continuity with that episode where Thelonious stole the Defiant and Ducat and Sisko ran afoul of the Obsidian Order with those special uh they had those Keldon class cruisers in the Orias system
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so that's actually kind of neat that's interesting world building to me because they didn't really give a lot of hints about it it makes me think they just made it up on the fly here but
2: yeah probably but like it it ties together in a way that makes sense
1: mm-hmm. um So there's enough here in this episode that we've already talked about, about the two spy agencies, Tane, Garrick, um, Odo, payoff on that Thelonious Riker episode, along with the Federation's shared Dominion data, that I'm going to say this is actually a pretty useful world-building episode, and that's why I have it as high as a six. Nothing earth-shattering that's going to change the universe forever, but just, like, solid work done. Yeah, I mean, I'm a
2: five. I'm not going to argue
1: against a six. Characterization. Um, ben gave it a seven. Mm. Uh, he says Garrick is hilarious with his sociological observations of humans. Uh, yeah,
2: he does some talk at the beginning about how fast Bashir eats and you'd think humans would have slowed down once scarcity went away. And...
1: Yeah, Garrick's on one in that scene because he has to blow up his shop in a second.
2: Yeah, when I was... I, I did not want to go back and watch because I didn't think it was worth it, but I wanted to see if he saw the flaxian during that conversation
1: and that was all that was all made up on the fly when does he have that bomb just ready to go
2: (laughs) it's a very good question like he was able to whip up a flaxian pheromone bomb
1: (laughs) uh he says uh the tax evasion thing let's see he points out nobody believes him even when he's telling the truth um boy who cries wolf garrick seems to have a new outfit every scene you know the clothes the the Fucking civilian clothes in Star Trek are so either ugly or, in this case, so muted that I did not notice anything he was wearing.
2: Yeah, Garrick wears a lot of browns and greens. Yeah, it's hard to tell. And blacks, so.
1: um, Odo has sources in the Cardi government. Um,
2: yeah, he Odo- still has favors he can call in.
1: Yeah, and um, apparently everyone remembers his Cardassian neck trick he used to do uh confirmation of garrick's name so there's a lot in there um i actually also had it one higher i had it as an eight so when you've got a garrick heavy episode with long scenes with decent dialogue and good performances i'm probably gonna be all in depending on what these fuckers say uh garrick negs shakespeare um Hates being a tailor, still very much pretends he was not in the Obsidian Order, blew up his own shop to get Odo involved in this shit, because he knew he might trick some people, but Odo would, would be suspicious. Uh, Garrett comes close to threatening Odo in the cockpit of the runabout when he tells him that he would be wise not to do so, when he says that he wouldn't, I don't know, he wouldn't tell him if he... Some, something He's the wrong. last
2: person he'd tell if there was someone he was... Especially fond of? I forget.
1: He gives him that Garrick smile. So I think that's how he threatens people. Um. You can tell Garrick is so proud to tell Tane he blew up his own shop. Yeah. The way he triumphantly (laughs) says it. I blew up my own
2: shop! (laughs) He doesn't doesn't wait at all for Odo to uh, hint at it.
1: Nope. He's like, hey, you like that, dad? Huh? I blew up my own shop, motherfucker. Um... Let's see, Kira trusts Garrick not at all. The way she looks at him when she comes up to Bashir in scene one, like, get the fuck out of here, Cardi spy, was pretty on point. Yeah, boy, they
2: haven't really had scenes together, have
1: they? No, but Garrick notes it later in the episode that maybe Kira did it because she hates him.
2: That is true. He does say she doesn't like him. Um, or that he's gotten the distinct impression that she doesn't like it. that's
1: right and so I thought that was really on point the look she gives him in the teaser is a real fucking withering stare like please go away uh Odo definitely thinks somebody wants to kill Garrick at first here like when they're saying oh maybe it was an accident he's like fucking rummaging around with his tricorder and shit um I enjoyed his quip about Kira having an airtight alibi when he called Garrick to his office <laughs> yep Says, bad news. Major Kira had an airtight alibi.
2: Uh, I keep her under pretty close surveillance for my own reasons. For
1: personal, re- not personal reasons. For very professional reasons. Um, Like I said, you can tell this is going to be a two-parter eventually when you realize you're getting so much time to enjoy Odo's excellent interrogation of this Flaxian. He's on the ball, Odo, in this one, for sure. Figures out Garrick's scheme to
2: blow up his own shop. Has his cardi contact, all that stuff. Also, doesn't run and tell anybody that Garrick blew up his own because theoretically he figures it out when it turns out that the flaxian is a poisoner.
1: Yes. So in that interrogation scene, which is like I don't know, fifteen minutes before he comes after Garrick about it in the episode, um, Bashir wanted to believe that secret panel and isolinear rod story so badly.
2: Oh, he really did.
1: And that's why he's so pissed when he figures out it was a joke at his expense.
2: Well, that's exactly the kind of thing he's looking for from
1: yep. Garrick, right? So it's perfect. <laughs> he's like, is there anything I can do for you while you're away, Garrick?" And Garrick's like, well, there's... If I'm a- not back in 78 hours. <laughs> there's a secret panel, and he tells him all this shit about the isolinear rod he's going to need. And Bashir is like so fucking juiced for it. Yeah, so for me, it was, it was mostly good stuff. Um, you know, just not quite enough happens character-wise. There's not enough character development, but there's a lot of good character work. So it ate for me.
2: So, I have a little bit of a problem. And the problem is that this is a two-hander. Yeah. And it is not about the relationship between those two people. Yeah. It's about Garrick and his relationship with external forces. Yep. So, it was hard for me to roll out a bunch of points on this one. Okay. Uh, That said, Garrick is spot on in this one. Odo is very good. There's not much from Cisco, Kira, Dax, O'Brien, Quark, and nothing really new from Bashir. Although his scenes are fine, yeah. So it's good, um, but I felt like I couldn't give it more than five points just because of, like you said, there's really no character development in this one. Yeah, Either this is about saving that for part a, a two. A minor character's relationship with external forces. So
1: I can't wait until he is not a minor character. Maybe that's starting. Maybe
2: I mean he never ever becomes regular cast,
1: right? Wait, really? But I,
2: yeah, I don't think he's ever in he's the main cast.
1: Definitely in like every episode for the last however many seasons. Yeah,
2: I mean, good for him. I, we want more of it. <laughs> yes. I want, I especially, want him in episodes with Gold Ducat. That's all I want from this show. Oh man, we're gonna get some juicy ones of those. I know the Ducat stuff gets weird. That
1: gets yeah. That as, goes off into as a Deep bad
2: Space direction. Nine gets incredibly weird. Yeah. Uh, Some of five. Um, what about quick ones? Yeah, I got a few. Okay. Um, whoever wrote this episode got their techno babble wrong, and they confused ODN and EPS. I think um, because the ODN is the computer network. It it should, if you rupture a Cat Five cable, it shouldn't blow up your whole shop. <laughs> Like, why is there that much power in the yeah. computer network running behind Garrick's shop? The I only, think it was supposed to be EPS.
1: The only problem is we know those panels fucking explode like crazy all the time. Yeah, Maybe the yeah, computers yeah, themselves are just explosive in the future. That could be.
2: Well, they're made out of M80s.
1: Uh, That's a central processor.
2: Then I said, uh, Garrick came up with a take for Boy Who Cried Wolf right away. So I need his help for this project That's
1: right That's true You're there You sit here and go Alright Boy Who Cried Wolf I get it, it's about lying But what is
2: it saying about it? <laughs> right I get the theme of it Don't lie yeah. But like that's uh, nothing <laughs> <laughs> uh, If Odo is right And Garrick was deliberate So again this is real time And Odo's deliberately Trying to involve him Then I guess he does understand The Boy Who Cried Wolf Yeah Because he's like He knows he can't just go to Odo and tell right. him whatever he saw the Flaxian and the Flaxian's there to kill him.
1: He has to entice him with a delicious. Right? Mystery. He has to
2: has to trick him into it. Yeah. Is there no jurisdictional issue with the Romulans blowing up a ship in Bajoran space? Everyone lets that pass.
1: Yeah, then we look at any word that there's gonna be any kind of formal protest or anything like that. Nah. I mean it would be like if I don't know, if like fucking uh Vanuatu or whatever made a formal protest. If a US destroyer did something in their waters, it'd be like, who gives a shit? But still
2: That's uh that's all I've got for quick quick hitters. Like a best actor Garrick worst actor O'Brien seemed super checked out. Like I get that his scenes are nothing, but he really seemed like he didn't care about them either. Yeah, it didn't. Like, okay, so there's a scene where Like you said They're going over The manifests For recent passengers When O'Brien comes in Yep And he's like He gives Garrick A dirty look Well he's like
1: Am I allowed to say this In front of him Like what's the deal With this guy Why is he sitting in security
2: like, what are we doing with this guy? Whereas, and I guess that O'Brien also hasn't had a lot of interaction with Garrick. No. But Garrick has, like, uh, inserted himself in station business about 15 times by this point. I mean, he's led, like, like two or three different commando raids. When Kira got raids. kidnapped, he just came up to Ops and he's like, hey, I know where Kira is.
1: Let's do a commando raid. Yeah. I'll bring my turtleneck. God, you imagine <laughs> how hard a turtleneck would be for a Cardassian? <laughs> Jesus. That's a tough one. I'm not sure the name would make any sense. I think that's what you need a tailor for right there. Yeah, I need a turtleneck, but like look at my neck though.
2: But look but look at it.
1: It's the size of 3 necks. What do I do?
2: I got this kind of cobra situation going on. You got a tur- you got a
1: turtleneck for a snake, like a big snake though. Um well yeah, you're not wrong. I did enjoy the look he gives him when he walks in though. And he's like, "What's this fucking guy doing here?" I got this really important news to give to Odo. What's this guy doing
2: here? Uh, Uh, Ben's got a quick hitter where he says you can see Garrick's uh, neck prosthesis coming off in the scene in Odo's office. (laughs) Yeah, I think Odo does a thing where he like grabs him and he's like,
1: "You blew up your own shop, Garrick." And maybe you can't get that physical with that prosthesis. Um, I only have a a couple. Look at that Telerian over there. Not cool, Garrick. Not cool.
2: Yeah, that's true. Oh, it would have been cooler if Garrick knew his name.
1: Look at uh, uh, fucking Blarg over there. And then he later, he says, your pointed ears friends, your pointed eared friends. Not cool, Garrick.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tane suggests that that was intentional. Yes,
1: even Tane acknowledges it as a racial slur. Yeah. Um, really, the rest rest of my notes have already gone in. Oh,
2: by the way, that made me feel bad, too, because in my description, when uh, the Romulans beamed over, I said, a couple of green bloods beam over. (laughs) And then (laughs) then when Tane was like, you used a racial star in front of them, I was like, oh, no. Oh, I gotta go into my document. I gotta start with the man in the mirror. Hold on, Control-F. I gotta fix that.
1: Um, so that was it. I enjoyed it.
2: Well fantastic. Yeah. Uh fourth place last week was TOS. Oh yeah. This week <laughs> this week we watched Plato's Stepchildren. Enterprise answers distress calls from a kiranide rich planet believed to be uninhabited, but when the big three beam down, they're greeted by Alexander, a little person. Mm. He introduces himself and his people as the Platonians, devotees of Plato. Uh, we learn they're telekinetic, but they need McCoy to fix their leader Parman's leg. Right. Uh, and then in a sinister scene, right before the, uh, right before the opening credits, a- Alexander tells uh, Parmen's wife, Felina or something, that they deserve better than to die. So we all know it's a sinister world. Credits. In Kirk's log entry, he explains that after the Platonian sun went nova, they went and lived among the ancient Greeks on Earth. <laughs> and they moved to this planet when that civilization was destroyed wait hold on it's a real 1960s take on what happened to the greeks
1: i'm so glad i'm really so glad you said all that because i definitely missed that part that was in the log you say
2: yeah in the in the kirk's log (laughs) entry that's where they give us that nugget that these boys lived on earth and learned from plato and socrates all
1: right thank you for that because i literally have in here like nine
2: times like what's the deal with plato it wants plato all over why do they know about plato Uh, So, uh, Felina explains to them that the Plutonians are the result of a eugenics program on their original planet. Mm. They've been bred down to 38 individuals. Uh, She lets slip that their telekinesis is a recent development, Um, although not that recent. But they're also pretty powerful. Parman has a fever dream and shakes up the whole planet and even the Enterprise. Yeah. And uh, luckily, McCoy gets a sedative in him before he destroys the ship.
1: Yeah, Captain Scotty's up there fucking riding the wave.
2: They uh they go to their quarters and talk to Alexander about why he doesn't have powers, although he seems way more bummed out about being a dwarf. Yeah. Um. But they tell him, I don't know, man. That's cool with us.
1: Like, yeah, they ain't worried about that part.
2: That's not anything. No. Like when they ask him, are there more Platonians like you? He thinks they mean dwarves, but they mean nah dudes who can't do the trick.
1: They mean the slave people who don't got the magic powers.
2: You know. Magic dwarves? <laughs> That's right. It's like dwarfism, but for magic. You got any of them, uh,
1: magic dwarves? Magic dwarves, you say? No. Let me rephrase that. You're getting the wrong idea.
2: Uh, McCoy manages to cure Parman, and so they get ready to leave because they don't like it here. But uh, as soon as as soon as they start to leave, uh, all of the instruments on Enterprise are locked out. Hmm. Kirk goes to Parman and tries to demand to be released, but he does some schoolyard bully stuff and demonstrates his power. So it turns out that the deal is um The deal is that Enterprise can leave, but McCoy has to stay because they have no immune system and they need doctors. Right. But they have to convince McCoy that he wants to stay. Because otherwise he could just inject them with a poison? I guess so, Something yeah. like that. So, they argue about justice and fairness. Uh, Parmen compels them to be a part of the anniversary celebration. Ugh. He makes Kirk and Spock put on laurels and dance around while Alexander drums. And he makes Kirk crawl on the floor like a snake doing poetry
1: it's uh it's a lot.
2: Spock does some flamenco dancing in the vicinity of Kirk's head.
1: It goes on for just a very long time.
2: They torture Spock with emotions, and that seems to really get to McCoy. That's a little bit touching. yeah. um Alexander rides Kirk like a horse.
1: It's <laughs> like you don't need to describe the 25 minutes of that guy forcing them to do shit. It went they on go back so their- long.
2: Yeah, they go back to their quarters. Spock's taking it pretty bad. And he talks to them about... Like, their anger and hatred. And his... Sort of his anger and hatred. He does one of those things where he crushes a vase.
1: Yeah, with real calmly with his strong Vulcan hand.
2: Yeah. Um... At this point, McCoy is in favor of just staying so these guys can leave. So they don't have to go through any more of this shit. But Kirk knows that, uh... Parman's not going to honor this agreement. And as soon as they go back up to Enterprise, he'll just destroy it or something. So, uh, At this point, Alexander is also pretty upset by all of this nonsense. He didn't like what they were going to do to him to begin with, but he really didn't like seeing it and being a part of it. He smashes a vase. He's going to go try and stab Parman with a shard. Um, But Kirk talks him out of it. And uh, at this point, they do a little science. And they figure out that the telekinetic powers which developed here once they started eating the native food are, of course, because of kiranide, the mi- mineral that was mentioned right up at the top.
1: Yeah, when they, uh, I, I, never mind, we'll get into it later. Yeah,
2: and the reason that the kirinide, which is a great source of power, uh, it did not give Alexander powers is because it's metabolized by a pituitary hormone. So it is coincidentally mm. caused by his dwarfism.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's great to throw in his face. Hey, being a dwarf... Oh, you know what? We'll get into it. We'll get into all yeah. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Um, McCoy works out a way to give them, like, off-the-chart midichlorians even higher than Master Yoda. <laughs> yep. Um, well, and- they just ate, like,
1: nine They ate, like nine of them stone fruits on the table and in they- front of them.
2: Exactly. And they throw in a little scene to explain why the uh Plutonians won't be able to gang up on them. Mm-hmm. Why they just need to get one of them stronger than Parman and then they win. Yes. Uh, so they give themselves these shots, uh, but they don't know when it'll take effect. They know, they think at some point they will become very strong, but they don't know when. Kirk wants to give Alexander a shot too, figuring that he's been here for a long time. Maybe it'll happen faster for him. But he refuses to become his tormentor. Right. Right. So he just wants to go with Enterprise when they leave. At this point. Uh, the stakes are upped because Uhura and Chapel are suddenly beamed down and zombie marched into the throne room.
1: And they were afraid that uh, Kirk and company had not been entertaining enough.
2: Yeah. yeah. They wanted to get some rape into the thing. That's right. If they could get a little bit of very, very
1: uh, uh, impermissible activities with the yeah. ladies, that's what they were into.
2: Everyone changes into fancy dress and uh, Kirk and Spock try to use powers, but they they can't. They can't use them yet. Everyone laughs and claps behind the curtain, like in Jabba's throne room. Um, but I guess that was that was like 15 years later. So Star Trek did it first. There's so um, much Star Wars in this episode, though. There's a this is real Star Warsy. Uh, they make Spock sing. It's a real bummer for everyone. Uh, Parman has them do. Or I think it's Parman's wife actually is running the show here. She has them do a little farce where they can't pick out which lady they want to kiss. Oh um, yeah. Then Spock is forced to kiss Chapel, and I don't think anyone can force her to say what she says before that. But it sucks too. <laughs> it's not fun to listen to. <laughs> and then she Kirk she want Hula. all
1: she want all her feelings on display.
2: Yeah, exactly. All of her very although real she will feelings. say what they all were. Yes, out loud.
1: Well, she can only say what the script will allow her, which is. All look, of her look, thoughts.
2: It is ninety percent the same as Yeoman Rand's speech mm-hmm. in Miri. Yeah. About her legs. Look at my legs though. Yeah. Um uh, Kirk kisses Uhura. Which in the world of Star Trek would have been much less of a thing than Kirk being uh, than Spock being forced to kiss Chapel. Yeah. Like wouldn't wouldn't have been a big deal, but it was a big deal on television.
1: It it bears mentioning for that.
2: And then it's torture time. Uh, Kirk gets a whip. Spock gets some hot irons. Kirk yells at him, tells him they're all dead inside and this torture won't make them superior. Starts cracking the whip at Uhura. Didn't like that. No. Didn't like that image. That's not good. It's bad optics, Yeah, it's like literally,
1: you're like, oh, look at that. An interracial kiss. We're making strides. And then the next oh, scene... Sees-
2: oh, the white man's cracking a whip at the black <laughs> yeah, woman.
1: You're like, oh, never mind. We're right back. Oh, whoops. Oh, whoops. One step forward, two steps back.
2: Uh... Alexander's had enough of this And he charges Parman with a knife Mm. But he is spotted And they're gonna make him stab himself Unless Kirk's power suddenly asserts itself
1: And then the game is on
2: Uh, He has a contest of strength with Parman Parman has to surrender Using the little guy as the tool (laughs) As the, I guess, the knife The knife in Alexander's hands Although Alexander goes along with it, I
1: guess Yeah, did he ever think of letting go? He should've let go of the knife He could've let go of
2: that knife I think the knife would've been enough uh Parman surrenders but everyone knows that he can't be trusted Right. Alexander repudiates the other Plutonians and Kirk gives them a stern talking to and they beam out with Alexander and leave
1: I was hoping they'd say something like we'll never know how this place is going to turn out <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they say that it's really good um okay so this is what I wrote Jesus I mean Something about utopia and what people's motivations are when they say they're they're striving to create a paradise, it's, but it's really just a paradise for a few. Yeah, let's go with that. Paradise is only so for a few. What's that worth? The take is not one of the episode's many problems. It's often the case. Um, I've listened to uh, an entire podcast series that came out this year called um, Nice Try which is a (laughs) podcast about people who kept trying to, like a series of episodes about people trying to create these utopias. And they come up with these great societal ideas, and they try to build it, and then it all falls to shit because it turns out they were corrupt insanos from the beginning. And one of the ideas that's sort of at play throughout that entire series is like, they were never trying to create paradise for everyone. It was always just paradise for a very specific subset of people. Right, And this episode is sort of the same thing. Alexander tries to to tell them that, that you talk about utopia, but that's not really what you're trying to make. It's only for you weird eugenic uh, powered freaks. Um, so anyway, I, I think that's fine as a take. Um, I will get very much into what is wrong with this episode, but the take is a six for me.
2: So this is interesting. So in the f- In the first place I want to say That I think If that's what they were Trying to show Their Power structure Is upside down Everyone but Alexander Has these powers And that means That they must be doing Most of the work Just using their powers To do it right Like Well he complains The whole time That he's a slave Who has to do everything Oh yeah They've got him doing stuff All the time But he can't be keeping These 37 other people going Right Like that doesn't track here's what I thought the take of this episode was, okay. Stop thinking and start working with your hands uh. so there's uh there's a lot of talk about equality in this episode, mm-hmm. and at the end, Parman gives lip service to uh absolute power corrupts absolutely, but I think this is a story about intellectuals who sit around and think about things that don't matter and don't work in and experience the world, and it makes them diseased mentally.
1: Yeah, and also physically. They talk about how even a small wound could kill them or something. Yes, they exactly. Have, they have no tolerance for anything.
2: Yeah, every third or fourth episode is anti-intellectual, Yep. or at least suggests that you need a balance of intellect and intuition, or something like that.
1: Or that machines are here to take our jobs.
2: Yeah, that too. Uh, the Plutonian... <laughs> well, no, that means... So you're right, so... I think because this show was written by a bunch of different writers and Gene Roddenberry would just like stomp into the room and say a bunch of weird shit and leave and (laughs) didn't really have his hand on the helm. Right. And also that's probably for the best. Yep. This show is like real inconsistent with its politics. Yeah. And sometimes it is progressive and sometimes it's very reactionary. Yep. And I think this is a reactionary episode. Like So we have the Plutonians, they're so physically weak, they have no immune system, they never have to lift a finger, and they have become depraved because of boredom. hmm That, you know, a good hard day in the fields would cure that, right?
1: That's right, you wouldn't have time to be bored because you're working.
2: Then Alexander rejects their gift, and Kirk asserts that his people aren't interested in it either. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's a so real
1: like, Riker Q situation.
2: We don't want the thing that has led you guys to become these decadent homosexuals there's no i mean that's probably what they would say there's no implication that that's the case in the episode i'm just saying
1: in 1960s uh that's what greek meant right i believe so they have a greek society the writer said to the other writer and they go i got it (laughs) i get it yeah uh
2: like all the reactionary episodes i'm not super enamored of this take uh i only gave it a four okay um, I think there I think there is a take, I think there are lots of other themes at play in this one. They were trying to do sci-fi, but I don't I don't love the message. And
1: Ben went with the uh all power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely portion of that um of that take and he gave it a 3. He was not moved by that. Uh he also gave it It really th- only comes up at the end. Right. It's just kind of a thing the guy is such a feeble whiner in the end when Kirk bests him in that contest. A lot of stuff comes out of his mouth.
2: Yeah, he does. A, he really Harry muds it at
1: the end. <laughs> he does, indeed. Uh, he also gave it a three on execution. He said, uh, oh god, Kirk being ridden like a pony sucks so hard and his
2: neighing is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, and By the way, it, we don't see it. They cut away to other stuff, but you can hear him neighing for like a solid 30 seconds. It just kept going. <laughs>
1: uh he did like the why are you hitting yourself routine god there were so many fucking scenes of them abusing the crew in this episode um these fuckers are so powerful why is the federation bothering with them well i don't think they knew they they were
2: they were answering a distress call yeah they just kind of came i didn't i didn't cover it but they came because parman was sick his wife sent out a distress call yeah they didn't think anyone was on the planet
1: He points out that that famous kiss was one of the most reluctant kisses he's ever seen. I doubt that Shatner's dick is racist, though, is what he says. Um,
2: No, there's a famous story that they were going to do two versions of this scene. One where they kissed, and one where they uh, were able to resist and didn't kiss. Because it would be wrong to mix the races. And they filmed the kissing one first, and then in every shot where they were filming the not kissing one, Uhura and Shatner deliberately flubbed it. So huh. that they would, so it wouldn't be usable. That's good. To the point where in in one of them, when they pull in close and then resist the kiss, Kirk was cross eyed.
1: <laughs> um, I, I think the, I love that battle of wills. They can't just go, we're, "Look, we're not going to do it."
2: I think these, and you have to remember, Shatner's Canadian too. So who knows what his
1: race race politics are like? But uh, I mean, honestly, he's who not knows like what, what their race?
2: Good old good old Southern
1: boys. Who knows what the race politics are like at all? Honestly, I have no idea what Canadians think about anything. Yeah, exactly,
2: but. uh yeah, I agree. I don't think I don't think Shatner would have had any problem with it. No. Uh and he says the
1: solution to this fucker was they got to eat the food? It's like, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yep, it's the this is the fucking food they were eating. Um Yeah, so it looks like he wasn't impressed by this portion of it either. And I agree. Uh but I only had it as a one. <laughs> So how th- It's a super hard watch. It was very painful. I threatened, as I do at least every couple of weeks, to quit the project entirely. And... So how the, how the take that I came up with is delivered is kind of a real problem. It's a bunch of silly hijinks and mustache-twirling maniacs with magic powers and a wildly irrational conflict about a god who needs a doctor. And then... <sighs> Kirk tells this guy all about how, where he comes from, it doesn't matter how big you are or whatever. But it turns out this guy being a little person really does make him weak and powerless in this episode, as it's directly related to the same deficiency that prevents his superpowers from developing, which seems messed up. To then turn around and go, actually, it is because you're a midge, sorry.
2: I guess it matters here. Sorry, it matters. You're... Doesn't matter in the Federation where we don't have this power and don't want it and are never going to tell anyone that we figured out a way to do this.
1: <laughs> anyone at home was watching who probably was starting to feel encouraged by how this episode was going. If you've got some kind of problem, nah, don't be. Your problem because it important. doesn't matter
2: what your size, shape, or color is in the Federation.
1: Mm-hmm. We, we know that isn't true, but um, but more importantly, he then turns around and
2: tells. Uh, well, man. you'll note he didn't say gender.
1: He's <laughs> very specific. unless you count
2: gender as shape. <laughs>
1: Yeah, sort of. I mean, Kirk would. I mean, Nagilum was worried about shapes, I think. <laughs> ah, that's true. What's this one over here? Um, yeah, If you told me the scenes, the two scenes where the guy used his mind control to make him dance and writhe in agony and do Shatner stuff lasted 53 of the 51 minutes, <laughs> I would totally <laughs> you, you believe, would believe it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe they came back for more later. I went, they're doing a second run of them being forced to do stuff. The first one was so long. (laughs) It really was a lot. By the end, I was, Kirk, I was slapping myself to death in the living room. It's unfucking believable how weird and bad this episode was.
2: Oh, don't watch these in the living room. That's going to ruin the living room for you. I watch these at my desk where I work. That already
1: sucks. (laughs) Well, this is my second shitty job, so I guess I should do that.
2: Yeah, it was a one for
1: me. I didn't, I don't. I mean, I can see why it was canceled, right? I mean, it's not good. Yeah. Nothing important or good happened. I mean, I guess we're supposed to think about that kiss, but it's like, "Mm, boy, the rest of this episode, everything that frames it, everything about it's just so bad.
2: Yeah. Tholian Webb was a stinker last week. Wasn't good. Uh, Although it
1: had some great spacesuits. And so there you go. That is already better than this.
2: Actually they've had a decent run. the third season has a real bad reputation, but the last below average episode in the third season was Spectre of the Gun. Before know, the that, Tholian that, that Web? Did, that did suck. Yeah, before well yeah, before I guess it I guess a good point. Yeah, Spectre Maybe of the Gun. Run.
1: Uh one great But yeah, is there in truth No Beauty did okay? Oh, and the Children's Jell Lead really sucked too. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
2: Um, but yeah, it really it feels like they're running out of steam for sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, but what about you? How would you feel about it?
2: I gave it as many as three. Uh, there's an awful lot of torture scenes in this one for not saying much about torture. <laughs> yep. that's It that is purely used for spectacle both in the episode and on the TV screen. Yeah There's also some definite pacing issues Kirk and Spock are constantly moving back and forth Between the throne room Where all the Plutonians are And their quarters Where they're just free to plot And all their equipment is Yep There's one sequence where Kirk is tortured Commercial break He's in the quarters talking to Spock And they immediately get pulled back to the throne room Like they all get marched there He's in there for maybe 30 seconds Uh huh (sighs) This is one of the uh, powerful entity on the planet traps Enterprise episodes, but in this one, for some reason, Scotty has nothing to do on the ship. Like in every other one, they keep cutting back there and they're constantly making progress against their captors. Like in Who Mourns for Adonais, Enterprise eventually levels the temple. Yeah. That's the source of his power. In this one, there's like two cutaway shots and none of it ever comes up. Yeah, one of them is
1: Scotty and Crude shaking around a lot. In the beginning. And then I didn't even remember when they cut back again.
2: Also, I find it pretty unsatisfying that none of the Platonians learns a lesson in this one.
1: No, they become feeble whiners when they're bested. And then basically everyone just
2: gets out of that bitch and that's it. Yeah, I mean, Alexander was sympathetic to them at the start. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the episode acknowledges that Parman's speech at the end is pure horseshit. <laughs> yep. So, it's a real... You know what, I'm knocking it back down to two. (laughs) Three was was a little generous.
1: They had had already decided earlier in the episode that everything that guy said was horseshit, so of course, when he, at the end, is uh, apologizing profusely or whatever, they're like, yeah, yeah, no. We don't care.
2: World building. Yeah. Ben's a five. Oh, damn. Kiranide is a source of power. Aliens visited Earth during Greek culture. Federation's got a lot of equality. Common cold isn't cured yet. Hmm. Emotions are actively harmful for Vulcans this week. Uh, he says not a lot, but the alien visitation thing is something, but he did give it five. Yeah. Uh, I'm. Um, I gave it two.
1: Okay.
2: So, again, Kieran eyed. Right. Is a substance which, if you inject it into your bloodstream, gives you telekinesis. I wonder that if should anyone be will ever, shattering. Yes, I wonder if anyone will remember that happens. That should be big, but like we'll never see it again.
1: Yeah, it's easy to tell with Tos now. It's like, yeah, that's not, no one's going to
2: remember that. Like, I get that. Uh, I get that humans are pretty advanced, and maybe they're not so tempted by these weird powers. Mm-hmm. But like. They also got to move cargo around a lot. That's true. And
1: they're afraid of robots. They've made it very clear.
2: Like, they've got some anti-grav sleds, but someone is picking the shit up and putting it on the anti-grav sled.
1: Plus, who's going to fight whatever yeti they're fighting this week? Like, sometimes you just need a dude with some big old fucking curanide muscles.
2: Yeah, like, I can't... I can't believe that this would just disappear like this. Mm-hmm. But it will. Uh, and ancient aliens visited ancient Greece but they mainly learned from us it seems it doesn't seem like they did any of the stuff in Greece yeah they hung out there they noticed that they looked exactly like us so that was super cool and then they uh just hung out with plato and shit and then they left
1: and then they came here and then they found the kiranites so when they visited us they didn't have these cool
2: powers they didn't even fucking know about the kiranite right they came here when their supplies from their ship ran out. When all the olives they brought from Greece ran out, uh-huh. they started eating the native food, and that's when they started developing the power. Like within right. two months, they developed the powers. So yeah, they didn't have any of these. They just had their good, good, good genes. That's all they had in Greece. Yeah, I'm a two.
1: I agree. It's a two. Uh, desperate, distress calls from an unknown planet with no life signs, but rich in fancy minerals like kironide. So much exposition was in this teaser; it was crazy.
2: Um, in the teaser, and then in Kirk's log entry, <laughs>
1: Kirk's log entry, which apparently I just totally missed. Um, uh, yeah, all the stuff about the Plutonians. I mean, the Plutonians, Plutonians would be cool. Um, let's see, Elfon eugenics again. People in the '60s were full of fear. Oh yeah, I I don't know how much eugenics stuff makes it
2: into this show, but we've already seen some. I mean so like eugenics was a big movement at the turn of the 20th century Mm -hmm. in like the first two decades and after world war two, it largely died out. Yeah. But apparently it was still top of mind for all these writers.
1: Yeah. They were uh, quite afraid. And, um,
2: maybe it was like science was finally reaching a point where eugenics was becoming, I, I don't know. I don't know if the idea of DNA made it into star Trek. It was discovered roughly in the timeline of the right of this show, right? But like, but like the tech, techniques of science were maybe finally starting to make a, make it to the place a point where uh, eugenics was more possible. I don't yeah. know. Well, they feared it for sure. Um,
1: yeah, I mean it's all the same notes that we've already talked about, and the same overriding fact that i doubt we'll see any of this shit ever again except for the general fear of robots eugenics and other things so it was a two for me as well um characterization uh let's see we got captain scotty again just shaking around in his chair up there
2: yeah i don't give him nothing to do this week
1: kirk is nice and isn't gonna poke fun at alexander's size also he won't kill yet a- <laughs> yet again <laughs> I don't know if you remember. He doesn't
2: he, say it this time like he did in Arena. He's not going to kill, though. He, we won't do it. Oh,
1: or up the time, he was shouting over and over again about how I wasn't going to kill in that cowboy one, and then he gave the guy a fucking fucking yeah. judo beatdown or whatever. <laughs>
2: yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll beat up this guy that I know isn't real.
1: <laughs> uh, Spock is insensitive about this lady's ego. Says she looks 35 like a real jerk. <laughs> She accurately describes Spock's brow as ever active. He does a lot of mugging. Oh, that is true. So she nailed that one.
2: Spock is the camp. Ugh, it's so hard. Who's campier, Kirk or Spock? Ooh. Or Chekhov?
1: Well, Spock is so mischievous, and I like. I think there's a, definitely an element of that. But when
2: Kirk gets into it, who hams it like him? Well, no, no human. Yeah. Um. Kirk does so much stage acting in Star Trek, and I think that's the thing,
1: right? I just Part of me wonders, did they put the stage lighting on him one time, and that set him off? Or was it the other way around? He did so much stage acting, and they're like, get, get the stage lighting!
2: <laughs> like, you know he did Othello in 1952 or whatever? Yep. Uh, and he just drops into stage mode every so often when they, when they, I think you're right. I think when those hot lights hit him, he's like, Oh, I I got this one. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, Spock
1: is very worked up about that guy making his emotions spill all over the place. Like we talked about, he is a broken by that. And he breaks that vase because of it. Uh, McCoy says that release of emotion is what keeps you healthy. He says that to Spock. Be there, yeah.
2: okay. It's <laughs> a good. He says this to Spock in an episode where he seems to be actively aware that emotions hurt Vulcan. Yes,
1: it's like he's such a dick sometimes. Uh he's once again willing to stay on this planet to save the others. McCoy is, uh, just like a few episodes ago on that big rocket ship meteor or whatever. Remember that one where he f- instantly fell in love with that British chick.
2: Yeah, Um, I mean, so the idea of him being asked to stay behind is very similar. Yeah, that's like his
1: main beat, it seems like. Uh, Nurse Chapel doesn't want her special Spock feelings on display in front of these monsters, but then also she talks about it a lot. Uhura is, as always, weak and kind of sad. I had it as a five, I'm giving it a four.
2: Well... That still feels generous to me. (laughs) I mean, it was Uh, a lot of negative comments. (laughs) Kirk, we haven't, this doesn't come up. As you said, Kirk is very nice to Alexander in this episode. Yeah. He speaks to Alexander like a child, specifically.
1: They all act like he's a child. The way they all fucking smile at him and, and talk sweetly.
2: Yes, they're super patronizing to him. Yeah. In a way that people who were really comfortable with people of all shapes, sizes, and colors, wouldn't be. Yeah, that's true. So I hated that. Uh, Also, this is an episode where they just overpower someone.
1: Yeah, they literally fucking muscled up telekinesis style.
2: No one talks these guys into anything or convinces anybody they're wrong. They just muscle up.
1: No, in fact, they specifically say, talking ain't gonna solve it. This guy's a damned liar.
2: I thought the bright spot in this episode, characterization-wise, was Spock's rumination on anger and hatred. Mm. This is an episode sort of about McCoy. Like, the events of this episode sort of hinge on McCoy, and he really fades into the background.
1: He doesn't do much.
2: And, uh, Chapel has a Yeoman Rand moment, and I don't like it anymore the second time. <laughs> nope. I gave it a three. Oh, Won't you please and I look could at my see legs, two.
1: Captain? Look at my
2: legs. Oh,
1: my beautiful legs, Captain. Yeah,
2: I used to try to get you to look at my legs. Ugh. Ugh. And mean. Chapel's like, i always wanted to be held in your arms, but not like this. Not
1: in front of it. Hold on, I can do it louder. I always wanted, I always wanted this. Yeah. Well, all right, it wasn't a good one. Did we talk nah. about what Ben gave it for characterization? Gave it a two. No one, a two, no no one, one can, can dance for shit. <laughs> Spock sings again in chapel for reals. Confirms her love to Spock again. Yeah, she does it all the time. Uh, Kirk's brain is better than everyone's brain because, of course. So, I think he means his telekinesis powers. Uh, quick ones. Ben says, uh, making Spock do all the feels was like watching an acting class. <laughs> Nimoy must have been taking some crazy direction. Uh, using that Alexander dude as a proxy for Kirk and Parman's force can't be good for him. He has a theory corner. If it's just a concentration of the Kuranite or whatever that gives you magic, then the natives aren't stronger because they aren't fat and don't eat enough. I maintain that I'd have the highest
2: concentration there. Uh, come on, buddy.
1: Uh, what about you? Did you have any uh, any quick ones?
2: Yeah, I have some. Uh, nobody's going to say dick about Plato, huh?
1: No, that's why I'd, if I didn't catch the log, I missed it entirely. So I was like, man, they're just not going to talk about it. He's there, they, just, they love Plato.
2: Like uh, five, ten weeks ago, I forget now, Paradise Syndrome. Mm-hmm. They There were some Indians that had been transplanted from Earth. Literally literally Indians literally from Earth that name specific tribes. Spock
1: yeah, Spock knew the Tribes.
2: Uh, in this one, these old boys hung out with Plato and it no one even talks about it in the episode. It gets in Kirk's log entry.
1: I thought that there was gonna be something that Plato said that was gonna play into this episode, but that did not. Yeah,
2: happen. like they would maybe talk like uh maybe talk about the fascist undertones in the Republic and yeah how, you got the wrong idea from disciples plato. of Plato. no that's fine yeah. whatever yeah. uh i mean they, they talk about justice a little bit and justice is a big thing in plato but still it is they don't it, he doesn't come up it's just like these guys did not need to have ever lived on greece it only explains why they can use these probably pre-existing sets
1: yes and the togas and shit exactly
2: and the togas and everything yeah yeah. Like that's it. That it's just an excuse for that. They could have done Hodgkin's Law of Parallel Planetary Development.
1: God. I'm kinda I'm kinda glad they didn't do that though. Uh
2: right about the point that Parman starts getting threatening, Kirk should tell him that he kicked Apollo out of the galaxy. <laughs> that's right. The literal Greek god Apollo.
1: Yeah, oh, so you were in Greece. So you remember when they used to talk about Apollo, right? Yeah.
2: You remember Apollo? Yeah, we met him. I made him leave the whole galaxy. I beat his so ass. do you want to keep doing this? I beat his fucking ass. <laughs> Uh Zeus and Athena were like, no, get get out of there, buddy.
1: <laughs> He's too much for you.
2: <laughs> he blew up your whole fucking temple.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's
2: true. You should have uh, brought that up. I noticed that the their boots have side zips. I never did notice that before. I thought they were pull-ons. Yeah. Long ones, all the way up the inside. Um here's that big interracial kiss. But I can't tell what point Uhura is trying to make with her little speech before it. About how she had never been afraid, or and I used to watch you at your station, and
1: you were and it was like what's happening? Do you want him or not? I'm confused.
2: Like you would think she would have been like, I guess we're gonna kiss. This ain't nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. She should have said something like, uh, "You don't hey, worry, uh, don't worry. I know this. We're we're both I, being I forced know we're being forced to,
2: to do this. Yeah. So uh, whatever. Yeah, we'll make it work. Who cares? Who cares? We'll figure it out. Yeah." If nothing else, Dr. McCoy can erase our memories of our f- parents.
1: <laughs> That's right. Or uh, <laughs> I can always be reassigned after a Christmas party or
2: something. That's, uh, or uh, we can just wipe my whole memory and I can learn to read again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> literal thing that happened to... <laughs> God
1: damn it. I totally forgot about that. What episode oh, was that? God. What was that
2: part of? Shh. Shit. I cannot remember, but I... Uh, her <laughs> brain gets fucking wiped. Totally
1: wiped and she only can speak Swahili, is that right?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so good. Oh, man. I don't remember what the circumstances oh, were. I don't know who did that. I think it was an alien force and it didn't mean to do that to her brain. Is that the Jesus. one where
1: the rope, the weird floaty robot was messing with everybody and went to the bridge and stuff? Oh,
2: Jesus, to- the... um. Nomad. The probe was Nomad. Yeah. The Changeling was the name of that episode?
1: Yes, I think it was that one. I think the robot did it.
2: <laughs> that unit is a woman. <laughs> That's right!
1: Yes! Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> what did we score that? Where? Where, where is that? Let's see. That a... unit <laughs> is a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's important to know.
2: Oh Let's fuck see. me. Uh we can't, I gave it eleven that? and you gave it ten.
1: Alright, so it didn't score very well. But I no taked it.
2: I straight no taked it.
1: It probably wasn't about anything.
2: <laughs> it um, got a two for premise and a three for execution.
1: That's not how you get points if you blow the the front end, the changeling Oh uh, man. I I I'm not done. Jesus, oh, okay, I'm not
2: it. even done. Um Ah, no. All right. The only thing else I had to say about that was, I guess, McCoy's big discovery of telekinesis in human beings is about to get hushed up.
1: Yeah, it's going to go away like everything they ever figure out. It'll disappear. Um, let's see. Alexander said the name of the episode in the teaser. They did not wait at all on that. Just got that out of the way. They, like, beamed down and he's like, hey, us, we're Plato's stepchildren. You could say it. You could say that. That's what we're called. Um... Kirk says that their planet Novad, but well, he don't know anything about space though. So
2: they told him that.
1: Oh, that's what he's. Well, they told him the- their
2: star Novad, and he did translate it into their planet Novang. That <laughs> <Yes>. is true.
1: <laughs> I, I, that's why I did. Right. Hear, why I did hear part of the log, but only the no, part that right. made me last. I,
2: I had forgotten that, but you're right. They told him that their their star Novad. They name it uh yeah. and then he did say when their planet nova in his log entry that was when he said they went to ancient Greece I how do you have I quick just said that I just figured out I did hear that log but only okay. the
1: part that made me laugh so that's it um Alexander was like your strategy is falling apart playing chess and then the other guy's next move won the match Chess, am I right isn't that chess for you you say to the guy, ah, your strategy's falling apart. And then the very next move wins the game and you go, oh, well, that's chess. Um, Again, where Kirk comes from, size, shape, and color don't matter. He says that with his real mouth. That's a real thing he says. <laughs> Some real Shatner acting when Kirk was slapping himself silly. To us, killing is murder. Even in revenge. <laughs> I have killing is murder because there's a long beat. I have ellipsis, question mark, ellipsis, even in revenge. <laughs> so just so you know, that's what killing is. Um, That was it for me.
2: Oh, did I say I gave best actor to Spock and worst actor to Platonian dandy number one who says when they're doing the farce, how faithless and fickle. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: had his one line and he crushed it, knocked it out of the park.
2: Oh boy! So third place last week was Voyager. Okay, which that's a crazy sentence on its own.
1: I know. Well, they can't do that two weeks in a row, can they? I don't think they have. <laughs> yeah. it. I don't think they have it in them.
2: <laughs> we'll see. This week they watched. We watched Displaced.
1: Taste of freedom.
0: All
1: the yeah.
2: All right. I, I let a lot of that play. I was gonna say because that's the best thing about this segment that we're gonna do. <laughs> that's true.
1: Yeah. For, for actually, in the future, we should only pick good songs and just play those. So at least we'll feel good. That's it. We shouldn't. do Who cares if it even has to do with the episode? All right. TP and Balana are fighting about her, I don't know, not being Klingon enough for him or something, when a rando in a tall hat appears next to them, wondering where he is. Credits. Kess's two dads are mad that she's late for work, but the computer says she ain't on board no more. She left at about the same time this dude appeared, this rando in the tall hat. Uh, soon Harry Kim disappears as well from the ship mid-conversation with Balana in engineering and another alien appears on the bridge. Eh, so there's a pretty clear link and then dudes start disappearing all over the damn place and being replaced by these fucking weirdos and their tall fucking hats. Balana determines it's a weird little wormhole thing with one end uh, opening up inside their ship. It's stuck on the ship for some reason.
2: Yeah, it's probably some gum.
1: That's how you usually secure a wormhole to a ship.
2: Well, I mean, but, like, you know, you could step in it.
1: She's uh, she's working with some old scientist to figure this shit out, but then he goes kung fu on the security guy and zaps B'Elanna off the ship. She appears on a planet with Janeway and the rest of the crew who are being held prisoner by these Nereans. They're called the Nereans. Uh, the Nereans are taking over the ship, and Chakotay finally figures it out and goes commando, sabotaging the ship all over the place... Uh, he downloads the doctor into a mobile emitter, and he is the last one zapped out of there. At their new home, a Nerean chick tells them that they live here now, and here's where they live, and it's gonna be great. And they immediately deduce that their new home is a, uh, it's a hologram, it's a holographic home. Yep. And then it's a w- like
2: in um, Insurrection. Star Trek Insurrection. One Star of- Trek Insurrection, or a uh, Homeward. Homeward? I always want to say Homeward Bound, but I think the episode's just called Homeward.
1: Yes, it is like that. Um, But maybe that's why they're able to deduce it so quickly. They're like, oh, this happens all the time where we come Oh, we heard
2: about this. (laughs) Yeah, This is how they get you.
1: Then a weirdo comes out of the wall, and he says he's from from the prison next door. The next door hollow prison. Um, And he tries to trade some shit with them. He knows how to go between the different environments, or at least those two. Uh, they agree to work together. They turn the doctor into a scanner for for doors, so they can. The lizard
2: man's name is Jarleth, and that is such a Skyrim name. Yeah, that could be on a lizard man. That I was like, is this dude from Skyrim? <laughs> Did he come from the Skyrim fucking is planet? He from, is he from Black Marsh? Is he? Uh,
1: is he from Tam? Is he from Tamriel?
2: Is that? Oh shit! They're in Riften. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: Uh they turn the doctor into a scanner for doors, and they find a door into the innards of this big holodeck. Turns out it's a big ship with like a hundred different holo prisons on it, each designed for a specific kind of people they kidnap. Um They do a real whoopsie and set off an alarm and then they steal some weapons and it's now it's commando time on the alien prison ship. The guys who took Voyager come to help as reinforcements, so I'm guessing Voyager's crew is going to find a way to take back their ship. Um, some garbage with TP and B'Elanna doing a romance inside of a fake ice cave where she got hurt? Or it's just really cold?
2: Uh, Klingons. Klingons are not as adaptable to cold as humans are.
1: All right. Um, Janeway now. So yeah. think
2: about Rurapenthe for a minute. <laughs> That's right. Those guards must fucking hate it there. They hate it there. It's a <laughs> real nightmare for them. Also, maybe they have exaggerated how deadly the surface is.
1: Yes, that seems pretty clear, actually. Um. Anyway, Janeway now has control of their shit, and she translocates the leaders of this group into the ice cave, because these guys really hate the cold. and yeah. uh, demands- They've been
2: whining the whole time on Voyager about how cold it was, and bright. And she
1: demands the release of all prisoners, and they real pusses, so they give in with, within 40 seconds. Then TP and Balana go to the Bad Resort Hollow program, and the episode ends.
2: Yeah, so, they don't talk about anything important there. Nope, they just sit
1: they there. They don't
2: wrap up the episode. No, they literally it's sit just there like,
1: like, we did a really good job today, huh?
2: Oh, they've been bickering a little bit this week, but... Um,
1: now they're gonna take it easy.
2: And eh, now they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
1: So if you can figure out what this one's about, go for it. I challenge you.
2: Uh, This whole episode stank of anti-immigration rhetoric. Yes, it did. I legitimately don't think that's what the writers intended. I just think that they didn't realize that they sucked. (laughs) That's usually the case.
1: I don't think normally that they're doing something on purpose. They're not smart enough.
2: The closest thing to a take I could come up with on this one is something like secure your power base or have it used against you. And that sucks on ice.
1: That's not great as a take.
2: But, like, isn't that the message here? Like, Janeway is immediately paranoid and Chakotay objects. But that dumb liberal learns his lesson when he ends up having to sabotage the whole ship.
1: Yeah, In a completely meaningless fucking ten-minute scene.
2: Then the Nereans are even softer than Chakotay, so four people are able to turn their technology against them. I mean, I guess. This episode did not feel like Star Trek. This is another one of those very regressive episodes. Yeah. It's called display. So, uh, and let's admit this. It is optically much worse in 2019 than it was in 1990-whatever.
1: Well, I mean, I guess if you're a certain part of the population, maybe you're totally in on the message.
2: No, maybe you're (laughs) like, Voyager saw it coming.
1: Yeah, Voyager knew these guys were coming to take- I'm just going to use the accent, it's fine. They're coming to take our shit!
2: Uh... I mean the 90s had some st- stuff that sucked Like California politics was pretty anti-immigrant In the 90s mm-hmm. uh, But <sighs> It's just
1: Well I mean I would even say just... Bill Clinton, Mr. Bob Dole, you're too old to understand The way the game's sold, you're lame so I'm Gonna hit you with the hot I mean,
2: That is all true <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how I think of the politics in the 90s
2: Yeah I mean I guess that's from the 2000s when Tupac was singing about George W. Smith, the city <laughs> councilor in Oakland, you probably never heard of it.
1: Good old Chappelle.
2: The, maybe the only good sketch from the last season of Chappelle's show? How
1: dare you? The one where he's a werewolf and they make him wear pants and he says it's racist is fantastic. Shit is racist!
2: <laughs> All, right. All right, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just so hard to think fondly of Chappelle's show once you've seen Key and Peele.
1: That's true. Yeah, yeah the execution's uh, much... If we were doing, oh, well, there's this project for you.
2: Sketch shows? So
1: they have to be limited enough. We can't do like, I ain't doing 38,000 seasons of SNL or whatever.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess we could do all the non SNL ones in Living Color, Mad TV. Oh Mad TV had like 12 years. It's probably too much That's Mad the, TV. And too. it seems
1: rough. Don't do
2: not do that to me. Chappelle Show, Key and Peel, and then uh, the all time favorite. The six episodes of... I think you should leave. I think you should leave. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's amazing. Amazing marks on those very
2: brief episodes. Okay. Uh, yeah, what's a, that's a one for me. So where where are you? I, I hated it. I, I hated it for sure. I
1: went with what I could only come up with, which maybe is cynical. But yes, it's the thing about the refugees. If you see refugees, they're probably trying to kidnap you and your family and steal all your shit. That's obviously a one. Honestly, no idea if this was really about that. But that's what got him in trouble was trusting these fuckers. So, you know, I guess. And he yes. didn't even
2: do that. Like, Janeway is so out of character. Yeah, I have no. Yeah. It's <laughs> wild where she's like, I don't know. My gut says we should keep these guys under lock and key. Yeah,
1: all right, we can get into it. I, in characterization, I have damn Kate <laughs> feeling kind of racist today. Just fucking out to get aliens in tall hats mm. and shit. Chakotay,
2: I don't care how wow. they seem. I learned my lesson with that sexy European man. She literally says, Jacote, I don't
1: care care how how they they seem. seem." What? (laughs) Wow. She just has a gut feeling about these fucking refugees.
2: Yeah, she was way more into the Maquis. (laughs) No known antagonists, the Maquis than she was into this confused old man. (laughs) I
1: don't know where I am, and my hat's not keeping me warm enough. Anyway. So yeah, one for me. Um Ben found a way to come up with something. Let's see. It, intentions are often different than appearance. These holians look lost, but really they're here to invade. Oh, it's the same thing as mine.
2: I, but he, hang on, he's tying Tom Paris in here.
1: Oh, TP's trying to be sweet, but Balana misinterprets what is meant by the
2: exercise routine in the holiday. Don't work so hard, Ben. She doesn't misinterpret it. He's being a positive racist. Yeah, he's
1: like, come on, I love the way you guys wear... I did this last week, I won't use Japanese.
2: (laughs) But it's the same shit.
1: (laughs) Yes, because I want to say, I love the way you guys wear kimonos. I love that. (laughs) Like, why don't you love wearing them? It's so cool, it's such a great culture. You know what would be hot is if you wore a kimono. Do you want to wear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing yeah, a councilman yeah. jam where he yes, fights he him is. over to his home and wears a Komodo and cooks them eggs.
2: He's a real Jeremy Jam. <laughs> yes. And B'Elanna's been jammed, if you think about it. I love when he when he goes to fight for Leslie because she's his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She's very Jeremy confused. Jam is an amazing... Listen, Parks and Recreation... Maybe we should do, for our next project, oh, I love this. Good. Let's the keep NBC this. sitcoms of the 2000s, oh. and we can do The Office versus 30 Rock versus Parks and Rec versus... Shit, there was a fourth one, wasn't there? I don't know. It's...
1: I want to include... Oh, yeah, Community. Community was oh, the fourth yeah. one. I want to include the multicam sitcom news radio from the 90s, but it breaks
2: the whole project, so... <laughs> it breaks the whole project, and I plus won't. there's never been a TV show you've liked as much, so oh, it's tough. We'd have to do that against <laughs> oh, Wings. When the takes are going to be a nightmare, huh?
1: Yeah, well, there were nine things that happened in this episode, and none of them were related. Let's see, Ben, can you make these work together? Can you link them? Yeah. Anyway, I was going to say, Ben, stop working so hard.
2: <laughs> He's working harder than the writers,
1: it's, for sure. It's a, it's crazy trying to link that conversation TP and Balana had, but I appreciate the effort. He gave it a four. Uh, uh He turns it around with a two. Um, let's see. Uh, Chicote uses that light, I assume, he said, to blind them for, like, what, one second? Because that's some of the stuff Chicote does during his commando raid. How mm-hmm. come the guy knew how to pinpoint Balana but couldn't find Chicote? Yeah. I it's, don't know. That's
2: a very good... He moved her to the front of the line yeah, to get her out of there.
1: It seems like they had a sequence already
2: planned out, and I don't but, know how that works. But I guess she was sitting right there.
1: Um... Uh, let's see Voyager at the end disables the translocator and calls it calls it good but why haven't why wouldn't there be more than one translocator yeah
2: (laughs) it's a very good question especially since it seems like look it can operate over 10 light years but then it can do only do one person every 10 minutes it's a real weird build two of them (laughs) it's a real five of them A weird piece of
1: technology I don't know why it even exists build
2: 13 of them send a whole squad over at once
1: uh, and he says if they were really bad guys wouldn't they just space all of them why bother to imprison them well that's they get they bandaid that the lady has to have a conversation with them we're not really bad
2: like by the way the lady doesn't get a name
1: no not even Jarlath or anything
2: no she doesn't even get a jar she's not even Jarlath.
1: yeah she has to tell them like we're, we're really good guys we're here to, yeah okay you're going to prison but it's you know it's gonna be nice and you'll get to eat fruit or whatever
2: Um, Jarlith, by the way, is an untrustworthy European immigrant in this. (laughs) Yep. He, he comes over. He seems cool. He seems friendly, but he is a coward as soon as the screws are put to him at all.
1: He does a lot of snitching for sure. Yeah. Uh, Ben asks, why are they doing any of this in the first place? Do they need a fleet or something? Yeah, I guess they decided like everyone else, they want conquest, but they found the way to do it. That doesn't require them to shoot anybody is what they say. Yeah. Uh, if the transporter tech is so good, why would they need other tech? I don't know. Um, not so. He said it wasn't bad viewing, but the story doesn't make sense, and the characters don't know why anything is happening. <laughs> well, that's because the writers didn't.
2: Yeah. Uh, I only slightly disagree with him there.
1: Uh, that the characters
2: don't know? No, I think it was also bad viewing.
1: Oh, okay. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I um. I, yeah, I have it as a three. Here's what I've got. Everything that happens after there's away to that planet is done at such a crazy accelerated pace. Yep. They are there for eleven seconds before they determine, through Kirk and Spock level supposition, that they are in a big holodeck. Yep. And one second after that, they meet Jarlith. Like he immediately pops out.
2: Hello. Yeah.
1: And he helps them figure out what's going on. And then, although the doctor complains about how long he's been scanning for a portal, in Showtime, it's like a minute before he finds that door that gets him into the guts of that Hollow ship. Mm-hmm. Maybe have everyone disappear in the teaser, and then. Hey, what if it was the Hollow ship from Hollow ship,
2: where everybody's <laughs> super smart and fucks each other all the time, and and they like Rimmer anyway, even though he's kind of Wait, pathetic.
1: Are you describing that once again? Red Dwarf came up
2: with a better episode.
1: Because yeah, it actually kind of. it actually had like a, a character conflict where you were like, when oh. I,
2: when I think about Red Dwarf in my mind, I think, oh, that's funny, but it's not good. Yeah. But apparently...
1: Though there was a take to that episode.
2: Apparently they do a better job yeah. than much of the real sci-fi.
1: Anyway, it might have been better to spend the episode on the interpersonal conflicts uh, that they try to shoehorn into these scenes and build up the mystery a bit more instead of do 15 minutes of Chakotay commandoing around.
2: Oh yeah, that's it's, all a
1: waste. It's a total waste and then they have to do the rest of the episode fucking lightning fast.
2: So the pace he accomplishes nothing but the ship takes longer to get there because of him. Yeah. But that's not necessary because we don't you could the ship could just have been farther away. The whole point of this thing was that so there's no dramatic reason for it. It's just to have him do commandos. I think so. there is a certain class of person who thinks that the episode Starship Mine was a really good episode. <laughs> And we'll see what we think when we get to it. Those Weirdly, they intersect... In the year 2525, if man is still alive.
1: (laughs) They intersect like with a a wild amount of accuracy. It's the exact same group of people who uh, agreed with the take of this episode, that the refugees are out to get us.
2: (laughs) I expect you're right.
1: Those are the Starship Mine fans.
2: It really is. uh, That episode is a home invasion fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, You're right.
1: um, You're right. We'll never get to it. It's not even possible. Um... I, don't have I mean, anything if we
2: do, we get to see Tim Russ. That's the only
1: thing I'm going to say about it. We get to see non-Vulcan Tim Russ. Right? Isn't he just a
2: regular human guy? Yeah, he's a human or something in that one. Yeah.
1: Um, I can't think of anything positive to say. I had it as a three. I'm actually changing it to a two.
2: Well, then we match because I'm a two. Okay. The uh, Tom B'Elanna B story is nothing.
1: It's really nothing. They're doing such a bad job of building up this relationship. I do not care.
2: He helps her get through the cold so they're not fighting anymore. Mm-hmm. That is his basic duty. Yeah, I would hope he would He do would that have for done anyone. that for his big enemy Neelix. <laughs> That's
1: right. Well, they went caving with those Muppets together. So. Ah, that is true. They did.
2: It's incredible in the sense that I literally can't believe it that the Neerians have gotten away with this scheme for so long. Yeah. It's like they've met 93 useless races and the crew of Voyager who blow up their whole shit instantly.
1: Yep. Yeah, again, within minutes.
2: Chakotay did not even attempt to set the self-destruct on Voyager.
1: Oh, Well, Janeway's going to have notes for him.
2: That would have been plan A for Janeway. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But also, you know, Riker and Picard would have done it.
1: Well, Riker would have agreed wholeheartedly.
2: Uh, Once again, no one remembers wide beam phaser stun. Yep. It's too powerful for this universe.
1: They should have never introduced it. That's the ultimate, that's the problem. Not that they never use it again. It should never have been put on screen.
2: Uh, Chikote is also too dumb to set Schmullis loose in the corridors lawn suitor style <laughs>
1: yep oh by the way I've a solution you just uh, re-upload Lord Byron into that fucker
2: That's right. and let just him go mad just switch him into Mr. Hyde mode and <laughs> let him go you're done
1: he's gonna kill all those motherfuckers
2: Oh uh, hey, we uh, we got the we got a hold of their technology and we transported one person back to the ship and he found everyone's throat was fucking slits. <laughs> right. It was demon Barbara Fleet Street over there. It was real bad. Make
1: sure you get your hand on the Doctor Kill switch when you get over there, though.
2: Why do the Nerians even need to run this scam, given their awesome technology and perfect holographic environments?
1: Yeah, you could just live in your perfect hollow world if it was so great.
2: The only thing I can find even close to something good to say about this episode is at least Tom and Bolana didn't have to huddle together for warmth. The second they went into that fucking <laughs> snow, I was like, Oh no, <laughs> that's
1: right. Uh, is she going to say that she has his scent again. Cause I didn't like it the first time.
2: Oh no. <laughs> I gave it a two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, world building, Benza three. I think he liked how they established their weakness to bright light and cold early, and then use it against them later. Uh, he mentions Tuvok's Vul- uh, Vulcan survival training ritual. Uh, he says that they're constantly seeing aliens that have one technology that's light years ahead of the Federation, but everything else is behind. Yeah. Uh, he thinks that doesn't seem realistic. I think in the, when we met the Vidians in Phage, I liked it, but there was an there was, explanation yes. for why their medical technology was the only thing they were focusing on, whereas, aside from the fact that this is this guy, these aliens' main strategy, it's real there's shitty. not much other explanation given, yeah.
1: It's not even that good. You can only do one at a time for ten
2: minutes. It's like, okay. He says, as usual, Starfleet is super bad at fighting. Um, I gave it the standard three. Okay. And I said many of the same things. Uh Klingons have less tolerance for cold than humans, Vulcan wilderness rituals. Uh they use Schmollis as a tricorder in this one. He makes a joke about it, but that is kind of what they do. hmm Uh so I mean, I guess that that hollow emitter is useful in some ways. If they'll if they ever remember they can do that again. Can yeah, I wonder if they will. For sure. It's nice to learn something new about Klingons, and it's not like Klingons have eight livers, so they can handle freezing temperatures, no props. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I agree. It's a three, My, mainly on the strength of that, the Vulcan wilderness thingy that Tuvok went through. Um,
2: also, Starfleet survival training is part of that, too.
1: Yeah, and, um, but the rest of, a lot of what's happening here is a lot of Alien of the Week nonsense that won't matter. You know, space turds who steal ships, space stations, colonies by gradually replacing their crews and citizens, and playing a real "What's going on?" I'm as mystified as you are. Routine. Do they put the best actors first? Is that how they do this? Be like, no, don't send Sukjin. <laughs> should... Don't send Big Nose. He can't fucking act.
2: That guy seemed to be their leader, so I guess it would be like sending j Suk first. Huh?
1: <laughs> you want to do that? Don't
2: don't send Big Nose. <laughs> well, also don't send John Cook because yeah,
1: he won't he won't lie.
2: He has small eyes and he's untrustworthy and he, also he doesn't lie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> They'll be like, you're here to steal a ship? And he'll go, what? I
2: don't know, what? And <laughs> <laughs> you go, huh. Oh, okay. Uh.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, three for me as
2: well. Well, um, what did you think about characterization to round this out? Uh.
1: Okay. TP still wants Balana to be more Klingon. Like, he doesn't even know her. Like, she's got so much... Klingon angst in her life and he's always just like play on the holiday with me with the bat-leths. Um, no um but they still they had their making up at the end um again Chakotay I don't care how they seem uh fucking Kate turns out to be exactly right of course cause that's what this episode was Balana treats the doctor like a dang machine and just mutes his ass.
2: It's <laughs> true? Why is there a button on that thing to mute him?
1: Seems like that shouldn't... It, it, she does one of those things, too, where she pushes one or two buttons and it goes and you go,
2: huh. Yeah, she's got a little stick and the, the, the thing had three slots on it that were supposed to be, I don't know, vents or a speaker or something <laughs> when they when they built it. But apparently there's buttons in there.
1: <laughs> one of them's mute. Um... She's also really into TP for some reason and hurt by his weird negging for some reason. I don't really under They haven't given me enough yet to understand why she gives a shit about this dude. Um, Old enemies Tuvok and Chakotay work together and Chakotay isn't nice to him. Tells him he's surprised he can even build a thing without instructions.
2: Yeah. It's fucking rude. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Tuvok's going to stick it right back in his face. What does he say? He's real snooty about Starfleet's survival oh, training. Oh, yeah.
1: He's like, well, that's nothing compared to what I went through when I, I don't know, fucking was abandoned in the forest for however long. What the fuck? That doesn't, sound, mods, like a, I think he said. doesn't sound like a ritual. I think they just tried no. to get rid of Tuvok.
2: No, it sounds like the his
1: parents wanted a girl. It sounds to me like what happened was, and bear with me here. Um, the baby came out an albino. And so oh. he threw it into the mountains. They, they, I mean, Tuvok's dad threw him into the mountains. And Tuvok was raised by a simorg, a, a mystical bird, a simorg, And mm-hmm. the bird raised him, and he became a real hero. And his son was Rostam.
2: Uh, so this, this uh Sam? Sam? Or is, is it Zal? Is Zal the albino? Well, shit, I forget. Zal it's might been be the a, albino. a number of years since I read the Shatamay.
1: Well, it was either Sam or Zal. I think Zal's the albino. Anyway, that's what we're doing here. Um, it was a two for me.
2: I, uh, by the way, I picked it up when you said Seamwork. Until that point, I had no idea. <laughs> like, what an albino, baby? What's I happening? I was trying to think, is this who in the Three Kingdoms is this? <laughs> yeah. Was there an albino in this? is a similar, similar framing of
1: this, of this <laughs> whole thing. The Chalamet and Romance of the Three Kingdoms are mm, uh, quite similar.
2: Say the number you gave it again.
1: It's a two. Two. It's a deuce for me.
2: Janeway has a bad feeling about these alien immigrants, Mm -hmm. and when she gets the upper hand, she threatens them all with murder. Mm -hmm. Tom and B'Elanna are in the Magnificent Bickerson's phase of their courtship. Uh Tuvok is snooty about Starfleet survival training and also doesn't seem to want to let Chakotay in when he's trying to buddy up to him by recalling shared experiences. See,
1: I read that the other way. I read it as Chicote being the dick. Chicote
2: being passive aggressive about Tuvok's ability to build a, to MacGyver a phaser out of a bunch of parts.
1: He's like, I'm surprised you could even do that without instructions. And I was like, whoa. <laughs>
2: hey. Yeah, but then he's like, it uh, uh, reminds me of our survival training. You remember that? Starfleet <laughs> Academy survival training. And Tuvok went, that's for little bitches. Like, that ain't shit. <laughs> that's
1: right. Yeah, he used his famous line.
2: He used his famous catchphrase, We ain't found shit yeah. from Spaceballs. Right. Uh, I have a, I'm going to give it a 3. Okay. I had out at a 4, but it's not a 4.
1: Uh Ben gave that a 2. Uh TP is trying to culturally appropriate the Klingons to get in Bolona's pants. A minor arc of a lovers' tiff and resolution doesn't seem to be a worthwhile uh, worthwhile conversation while the entire crew is captured. TP and yep. Bolana somehow don't have uh presence of mind to take the dropped phasers.
2: I wrote that they did. Because I assumed they would. Because obviously... when they showed up later and didn't have the weapons, I had to go back and edit it out and I was mad.
1: <laughs> uh, good thing Tuvok can create uh, a phaser out of recyclables. Bad, bad metaphors. Things were a little chilly for a while. Feels good to be warm again.
2: I don't think that's a metaphor.
1: I think they meant it literally. that's right.
2: I think you're, again, I think you're doing more work than the writers.
1: It wasn't it cold in the cave? It was all icy. This is not, not like here where it's nice and warm. Um... He says they can handle, we can handle TP and Bellana being lovers, but this beating around the bush isn't well done and it's tiresome. Yeah, he's a hundred percent right.
2: And the only thing I have to say to that is that I assume that when they actually do get in a relationship, it will also be tiresome and what poorly done. So I'm not. That's the only reason that I don't agree. Like, uh, just hurry up and do it. Yeah, we my. Know what, we see where this is going. We know what you're going to do.
1: My greatest hope is that they won't care anymore after that. After they've f- consummated or whatever, and then. <laughs> After they um do a, they do complete sex. After they do that, that they won't care anymore, and that they won't write about it anymore, and that it'll just be like a fact of the show that they're dating, but it won't come up. That's my hope, but it, it is vain to hope. That's such like a thing. forlorn hope.
2: Yeah. Uh, he's got just a couple of quick hitters. He'd like to see this strategy tried on a warlock race like the Klingons. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> he assumes that it wouldn't work so well. Yeah, I am inclined to agree. I have a couple. Uh, the first person to disappear was Cass, and I was like, is this it?
1: <laughs> it's like when we knew Gary was leaving Running Man and every episode, I was like, oh boy, is this the one where Gary's going to go away?
2: Uh, but it wasn't. And I, I realized this was some reactionary trash. Yeah. Hey, if the scientist was a bad guy, why did he help B'Elanna find the wormhole in the first place?
1: does seem weird to help her partially solve the mystery.
2: Yeah, and then when she gets too close to it, that's when you gotta steal a weapon off of a security guard? Yeah, you gotta fucking- That's a bad plan.
1: Even though you're just a weird old man, you gotta beat the shit out of the security guard.
2: This guy Jarlath found one portal Uh and somehow assumed that was it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are two prisons. He found the portal and that's it.
2: Yep, that's all there is. Send his ass back to the desert. (laughs) That's right.
1: Thank you Um, for your
2: information. Please leave how can these guys have pulled this trick off 95 times and still be this bad at it it boggles the mind hmm. i gave best actor to schmollis i guess and worst actor to voice of Gennaro. i thought that uh it, he was not a real person he was a figment of Chicote's imagination <laughs> or we were doing a remember me or something right
1: um yeah i i have some takes along that line um Oh, wow, this Ensign that Chakotay pals around with is maybe the worst actor Voyager has ever had. Wild how bad her performance is. The way she slowly points and says, We have to find a way to secure
2: those doors. Oh, that was extremely bad. You're right. She was the worst actor. Ensign, whatever.
1: And she's a real Harry Kim when she gets phasered. Her acting is. Oh, she throws herself
2: way up in the air?
1: She goes, oh, like flies around. It's like, (laughs) I've seen a lot of people phasered in this show. I've never seen that reaction. Yeah, that lady was a fucking travesty. Uh, But that's it. This is not worth having any more quick hitters about, I think.
2: Oh, we spent plenty of time on it for sure. Yeah. Second place last week was Enterprise. Yeah. This week we watched Stratagem.
1: Yeah. My heart
2: will take me. You got it. I've got
1: faith
2: to All right.
0: I can do
2: anything. I've got strength. Our old buddy Degra wakes up on the floor of a shuttle that's under attack. He doesn't know how he got there and he doesn't recognize a disheveled archer at the controls. No. With the bad long hair.
1: He's got, he's got the bad like he's got a messy bun. Yeah.
2: Um... The attackers are Insectoid Zindi, and he wants to order them off, but Archer tells him it's been a long time since Zindi took any orders from him. When he figures out who Archer is, he's pretty pretty repelled, but Archer tells him they're not enemies anymore because his wild claim is that they shared a prison cell for three years. Yep. And he just doesn't remember it because of the torture. Because
1: of the good, good interrogation he got.
2: But, you know, they have matching prisoner tattoos and then uh, also Archer finds a blood worm in his body and pulls it out. So he's he's pretty convinced for for now. Um, he tells him the the backstory here, which is that they sabotage the prototype, but that just slowed down the program and they managed to destroy the earth. But meanwhile, the insectoids have been building hundreds of ships and they started up a new civil war. Yeah. And they're winning, I guess.
1: Yeah, if you buy any of this even for one second, then this is the second time they've done a fake Earth Exploded episode. Right. Because of the last one where it, I guess it really exploded and then they did a time travel.
2: Yeah, I guess if you didn't see when they came back from the credits and this episode was called Stratagems, <laughs> right, Yeah, Then yeah, yep. <laughs> this is the second time they've done one of these. Um, they start talking about whether or not they should go look for Degra's family. But then a coolant leak starts filling the cabin and Archer gives Degra the only gas mask and passes out. Yeah. And uh, Degra finishes welding up the leak. And I guess at this point he's like fully convinced. Anyway, while Degra's asleep, Archer injects him with a sedative and then T-Pole opens the hatch and he steps out. And it was all a simulator. Yep. He goes up to the war room where they are looking for a red giant Uh, colony circling a red giant that supposedly houses Degra's family because they think that's where the weapon probably is. Yep. Uh, T-Paul thinks Archer should just ask him outright where the weapon is but Archer says it's it's too risky Um, but he knows if he just keeps playing this game Degra's gonna tell him sooner or later. Cut to three days
1: earlier? Yeah, this is a real fucking problem with this episode.
2: (laughs) And we see Enterprise is going back to the Proving Ground. Yep. Uh, from last week and they detect a, that a ship with three life forms on board is there uh, and Enterprise disables it and they board it and it's uh, Degra and his, two of his buddies but, uh, and they have started to delete their computer data when Enterprise uh, fired on them but they got some of Degra's personal logs mm-hmm. uh, and he's uncooperative and Phlox doesn't think he can make a truth serum but he does think he can wipe Degra's memory? Yeah. Uh, of ever having like his short-term memory, of ever having been captured. And so their plan is to build this simulator and come up with this story and get Degra to tell the
1: Yeah, it turns out this is this whole thing's a weird Flocks idea from the same mind that brought you me These guys are supposed to die. The DNA says so.
2: <laughs> right. Uh and uh Flocks takes real delight in tattooing Degra and making his hair grow and turn gray while all while he's unconscious. Mm-hmm back in the simulator uh they take the cargo ship they're on through a simulated anomaly makes it all shake around archer drops out of warp um they're surrounded by zindi ships and they need or they're surrounded by anomalies and they need to call for help because they can't get out of there degra turns over a secret command frequency uh so they can try and reach you know the zindi primates right um In the real world, though, Enterprise has to go back and hide in the debris field because there's a Zindi ship approaching. And there's a bunch of radiation in it. We know that it'll cause, like, power outages and stuff.
1: Yeah, I think it's radiation left over from that weapons test.
2: Right, yeah. So Archer and Degra talk about family and children, his work on the prototype. Um, Then they get a faked call from uh, one of the other boys they captured, Thalen. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, Hoshi. Oh, she with a weird a, voice simulator. She's doing the, uh, the Freighter Ursva thing from Star Trek Six, <laughs> yep. but without books.
1: Yeah, we am condemning supplies and things.
2: Right, right, right. She's doing yeah. that bit. Uh, and so he gets Degra to enter the coordinates for Azadi Prime, where his family is. Um, and it's pretty far away. It'll take Enterprise three weeks to reach it, so D- 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 Degra still hasn't told them if the weapon's there or not, and yeah. if it's not, three weeks there is a big detour. Yep. So they keep, Archer keeps trying to get it out of him, but at this point, the simulator starts malfunctioning because of the radiation, and Degra sees a little flash of static in what's supposed to be a window, but turns out to be a computer screen. Mm, Yeah. And he turns on Archer and attacks him. So Mako's pulled them out of the simulation, Degra goes back to jail, and when Archer comes to talk to him, Degra claims that he knew all along that it was fake, and that the coordinates he entered are fake. Mm Mm-hmm. Archer thinks he's bluffing and that he gave him real coordinates, but they still can't risk the three weeks on it.
1: Yeah, they still don't know whether or not that's real coordinates or not. They still don't know if the
2: weapon's there. Right. So Archer talks to, and Archer talks to Trip about the method that the Zindi ships use to open the portals. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Smash cut to the ship is shaking around and going crazy. Yep. Uh, Archer pulls Degra and his engineer out to uh stabilize the subspace vortex that they've opened and they both refuse but while they're all in engineering uh the excuse is that travis inverts the warp field and brings him out and archer sends the the engineer back to jail but takes degra with him to the bridge mm-hmm. and they see a red giant on the screen and uh they start talking about going in and Degra shouts, you'll never get close to the weapon. But guess what? It was another fake out. Oh, uh, too bad. And now Archer knows for sure that that's where the weapon is. Yeah. He, uh, he has Degra taken to sickbay for one more mind wipe and they put him and his men back on the ship and they fake a plasma explosion to explain why they're unconscious and they head out for Azadi Prime. Yeah. Matthew. Yeah. What's this one
1: about? Uh, for me, this is the worst part of the episode. I had a hard time finding a real take for the episode. It's uh, the, the whole time. They're trying to trick him um, to get information. Yeah. And that's the episode. Like this is not about anything. There's no statement being made. I I could easily no take this and feel fine about it. But instead I came up with the very sassy extreme interrogation methods work. Mm. That's it. That's the take. They have staked this territory out before on Enterprise. And they coming in hot with this shit, and I can't help but respect their tenacity in telling us this all the time. <laughs> they're always telling us that if you interrogate people, you'll get what you need. Like if you yeah, do some their... cr- crazy methods on them, you'll get it.
2: Is their big post nine eleven point they're making? Yeah,
1: they're doing a real twenty four on this one. Uh, so I gave them as many as two points just because of the hot. They're coming in with these hot takes,
2: man. All right, uh, Ben says, uh, "Gotta outfox the fox." And gave it a one. <laughs> right. There's no take. Exactly. He says very little take, but it's an entertaining episode. Yep. Well, I think we all agree that the, the take is the big problem with this yes. episode. As
1: Enterprise episodes go, this was not bad to watch. So we'll get into that.
2: Right. Um. Here's what I've got. When you're on the clock, stick with the strategy that got you there rather than improvise. Okay. That's true. Archer has an hour to get this information, and he fooled Degra once before. Yeah. So he may as well try it again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think he goes, hey, this Dagger guy knows his um, weapons technology, but he ain't necessarily that bright.
2: Right, this guy is a scientist, and he he fell for that other thing, like, actually pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, So let's just try and trick him again. Uh, This is maybe not the most applicable take that's ever been on Enterprise, but, you know, I think a lot of us are trick play coaches at heart and need to learn this lesson. That's right, exactly. Hey, stick with what got you there.
1: Yeah, please do not run a goal line fade. Did you run the fade the rest of the field? don't run the goal line fake.
2: (laughs) That's a good point. This is exactly right. Fucking A. Hey, all those other times you made three yards. Was it that way?
1: (laughs) Is that how you did it? Is that the best way to get three yards now? Is it? Uh,
2: So uh, I gave it as many as four points. All right. I'm also, uh, the name of the episode is Stratagem. Yes. So I really tried to focus in on what strategic point might be being made here.
1: Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. You worked something out of it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I cooked it, but uh, I got there in the end. Uh, what about Exumicutions?
2: Yeah, uh, Ben's a four. Okay. Memory loss in a shuttle. Wait, it's five minutes in, and I already know it's a ruse. Yeah, yeah they don't um, do a good
1: job of disguising it from us. They don't tell you outright, and when he walks out of the shuttle, maybe there's people who went, oh, it was fake. But if you're paying attention, it's... I think right. it's pretty easy to tell.
2: But he likes uh, the bloodworm removal to show to instill trust, and the uh, coolant leak. Mm-hmm. He likes the mechanisms they took. Uh... Two switcheroos. It's an abrupt ending, he thinks, but, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, he, he well, he, he, again, he seemed to like it, but he gave it a four.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess he's not grading on a curve.
2: <laughs> I gave it as many as five. Okay. The, um, I think the in media res opening is a mistake. Okay. I,
1: uh, well, if you're going to go don't... back and go three days earlier, then, like, why bother?
2: Yeah, the only point that this serves dramatically is to try to fool us into thinking that the ploy is really true at first, mm-hmm. but that is—we're um, never going to believe it because we know that Earth doesn't get destroyed. Yep. This is the first Star Trek. There were four more. A- four more after it. Yeah. Earth exists in all of them. Yeah, we, we would we've know seen... by
0: now.
2: We've seen like we've met Boothby and seen Cisco's dad's restaurant and stuff. So like. <laughs> We know Earth isn't destroyed, so we know that this is not true. Right. So why not just tell it chronologically?
1: I agree. That's what I'm saying. As soon as they it's such a mistake for them to get to that three days earlier part you yeah, like, As oh, soon as it really. said three
2: days earlier, I was like,
1: ah, we, that's why that's not we, necessary. Yeah, just start with that then. Start with what happened three days earlier, and then we'll get to the part where well, he does the trick.
2: Especially because the three days earlier comes after they've already revealed that it's a simulation. Yeah. And it's like it's just nothing, yeah, right? I agree. Um they have Archer too focused on getting specific information to give us any really good backstory on the Zindi, and I think that's a shame because this is maybe Ar- Archer's first time to spend a long time talking with I know we he met Grailic, right? Mm-hmm. But this you know, he could get another perspective from Degra. They don't they don't bother with it because they gotta do too many fool em ups. Yeah. Um, but I did like flushing Degra out a little bit because we've seen him a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and i like the feeling that this episode that this arc is rolling towards a conclusion so i gave it as many as five
1: i agreed i gave it a five uh start with the take here basically the episode says if your first drug-induced interrogation goes wrong try try again um yeah <laughs> so at least in the second part they're doing a lot it's a pure psychological trick and there's not a lot of physical stuff involved but Anyway, this thing goes off way too well for this group of bunglers and psychos. <laughs> like, they put this whole plan together in about a minute and a half. Like, they get uh-huh. the guy and then build this whole simulator in the uh-huh. fucking yeah. cargo bay, and it, like,
2: works pretty good until the
1: radiation. Yeah, they, throw issues?
2: A fucking, they throw a fucking one liner in there that Trip has built flight simulators before.
1: Great. Though there must be real quick. You just build them in fucking 10 minutes, they're done. So, that part's not, like, realistic. Um, I,
2: they could have done the whole thing in an Enterprise shuttle, by the way.
1: Right? It doesn't matter as long as the inside looks a little Archer different.
2: Archer could have said all, all I managed to escape with this is one shuttle. Oh yeah, that would have worked too.
1: Um, certain things Degra explains to Archer that it would be odd to explain for the first time after three years. Yep. Like what the council is and was.
2: Yeah, handled much better in the episode with where uh, it's fifty first dates in 51st yes. days with T-Paul. Yeah. Where they acknowledge that it this is something that has come up many times before. Yeah, like we
1: already did this, just eat your eggs or whatever and we'll fucking talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but yep. in this one, they they do a little bit of that where he's like, "Surely I told you in the last 3 years." But for some reason on certain questions, the writers didn't catch it and it was just like, "Here's some exposition." And you're yeah. like, ah, "That seems odd." Still the episode did keep my attention, and the crew seemed like pros, which again is way more than they normally are, which is a fun change. So, I had to give it as many as five.
2: What about world building?
1: Uh, what do I got? The Kalindra system. A lot more Graylit continuity. This dude is fucking immortal. He just keeps coming back. Yeah. Um... Trip thinks it's odd that everything on the Zindi ship is tied into the main deflector, engine-wise. Neuropathways are nearly identical in Zindi brains of different species, according to Dr. Weirdo. Yep. I guess them Degra-type Zindi go gray when they get old, too. Uh, Again, they built this rig fucking mad quick in the cargo
2: bay. It would have been great if he had screamed at them. Why is my hair gray? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to my hair? I've never
1: seen. This is insane. Is this part of the interrogation? Uh Subspace vortices.
2: It was a three for me. Uh well, did, did we understand what Ben gave it? Uh, no, you two. Yeah, you give it a two. The Zindi Council needed to find a new home world, but no one could agree. I think we
1: got some of that backstory after their big space civil war
2: or whatever they talked about before. I think so, too. Um, yeah, he seems like, why would they need to live all on one home world? Yeah, they didn't seem to get along very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I, so I'm a standard three. I'm not sure we learned anything about Zindi politics per se since the... Insectoid insurrection is a fabrication, and Degra only begrudgingly believes that it's real.
1: Yeah, he says, "Yeah, I knew they were like these guys are kind of crazy, but I didn't think they would be like this." And it's like, "Yeah, yeah they were." Seems like
2: a, a crossed a line, <laughs> yeah. right? Also, that the whales allowed it, whatever. Yeah, yeah if Dolphin
1: a- Boy was totally down with it. He cannot believe that shit.
2: Uh, so we got flight simulators, subspace vortices, bloodworms, 200-year uh, early peak at Pulaski's memory erasure technique. <laughs> mm-hmm. She probably shouldn't be calling it that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Dr. Crusher calls it that ironically and snickered. I don't remember. <laughs> That's right. She fucking hates her. Um, yeah, she's familiar with it because it's basic medicine. It's for, oh, it's I'm familiar
1: with Dr. Pulaski's technique. Thanks.
2: Uh, I thought that although there was opportunity to learn more about this indie that would have had been more world building, they didn't They didn't take that opportunity. So I gave it the standard three. I agree. Character and, work. Yeah, characterization. I'm a four. Okay. Phlox is a fucking nightmare, huh? Yeah, it's really true. As soon as they
1: said it was Phlox's idea, I went, oh, I have fucking tracks.
2: He doesn't have time to make a truth serum. He's totally cool with it. Uh, but he'll inject worms into a boy and wipe memories over and over again. Is he just bored?
1: Like, is it just he's yeah. tired of feeding his bats down there or whatever? Yeah, it's something. This is yeah, not. That guy's something signed, to this, do. this
2: part of the mission is not what he signed up for. And he regrets when he was like, nah, I'm going with you.
1: He's a psycho. Give him some fake Zindi research to do or something.
2: Just keep him uh, busy. Well, I guess he has been. That's how we know it about the memories. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that, is how, all about. that is how we know it about them. Uh, Archer doesn't want Degra hurt, and he even takes the pretty big risk of leaving Degra and his crew alive on a ship with at least one mystery to solve, and we all we learned this week mysteries are irresistible. That's true. At the precise time that it would make the most sense for him to be hard-nosed about doing whatever it takes. Like... Yeah. Did he secretly get to like Dagger while I think he with did. Him? I think Dagger said yeah.
1: this stuff about how he did it all for the kids. And he's like, oh, that's okay then. You kill seven million people. He did it for the kids. That's all right.
2: And he thought, he wondered how many of those were children.
1: Yeah, so that's, that's how you can thought tell. A couple
2: million of them. That's, <laughs> that's how it works. That's
1: how you can tell he was a good dude, even though he had that thought and then kept building the weapon. But that's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> uh,
2: no one else is in this. This is a two-hander with a guest. So, uh, But a guest I who
1: qualifies it. for characterization if you felt like it.
2: I mean, it's true, but I don't I don't think that we have anything to compare it against. Like, I don't mind Degra as an Oppenheimer type, and I don't mind that he's fooled by these things, because, again, he's a scientist.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I don't think it makes any sense that he'd be out there with just those two other dudes.
1: It is weird. In yeah. In that little shuttle. Yep. No no other military forces in the area, apparently.
2: Right, so I mean, this, this episode can only occur because Enterprise fucking stumbled across Degra unprotected. Three days ago just so you know three days three three days ago so i give it a four for characterization okay
1: um again this whole game is flox's crazy idea jesus bro this guy has got all the sick shit going on in his weird brain he's the data of this fucking show he's a real fucking problem and i want to hit his off switch and i want to take his arm off and i want to ask him to bend a bar because i know he can't so it'll be hilarious
2: yeah um Uh, for him you'd ask him to like Hey, show your weird long tongue. Show me your toenails, you freak. And, and then Picard would object that there are many species that possess the mega tongue.
1: <laughs> That's such a good episode. We're supposed to believe... Best one so far. We're supposed to believe that Degra did this doomsday weapon thing for the kids. And then that he had that thought, but then kept working on the weapon too.
2: I mean, the real wild problem with this whole arc is that we have no idea why the Zindi are convinced that they have to destroy Earth.
1: It comes back every week that we go, why are they doing this again? What's happening? Who who told them? What'd they tell
2: them? But they're so convinced that everyone but fucking Grelick is all in. Yeah.
1: Uh, again, I enjoyed that everyone's on the ball, even if it's sort of unrealistic how on the ball they are, given what we've seen from them in the past. Archer, Hoshi, Trip, Reed... Um, mayweather's even on screen a couple of times so it was not a character episode really there was not a lot of character growth it was just kind of a tricky mystery but i did enjoy that they were all competent so i gave it as much as a five
2: do you have any quick hitters for this one i have uh only a few
1: um did we say that that ben gave it a oh, two ben's a two yeah um, Degra seems like if he kept it cool all that time and also had warning that the humans were con- uh conniving, he could have stopped himself from giving away the game at the end. Seemed a stupid way to win and not really in keeping with the character. Archer is not interesting. He says,
2: "It's a good way to end that." All right. I don't know, man. He's pretty interesting. He likes water polo yeah, and
1: a, uh, his dad was an engineer. He was a warp guy, warp designer. His Remember his that? He has a dog. He's got a dog. Um, I only got such as like two quick hitters. Yeah, let's have them. Sorry, it's one quick hitter. Ah, so stratagem means this gaslighting of Degra. Got it. 1 minute <laughs> in.
2: <Yeah>. That's it. <laughs> like to, uh, to be fair, if you unless you read TV guide, right. Uh, or whatever, like it is not when this episode aired, it was not like Netflix where you know what yeah. the name of the episode is before. It wasn't you like next it.
1: week on Stratagem,
2: right? Yeah. So it, for most people, you would have seen the word Stratagem when they came back from credits. Yes, absolutely. So for the for the teaser, at least you wouldn't have known what was up. Now, again, there are in universe reasons. Yes, that would make you think this wasn't real, right? But if you know the name of the episode, it's a real nightmare.
1: Uh, what about you? Quick ones.
2: Yeah, uh, I wrote, knowing this episode is called Stratagem, makes it hard to believe any of this is real. I guess they didn't keep it running for long, though. Uh, And then of all systems I'd expect radiation to affect, hydraulics would be way low on the list. Right? (laughs)
1: He, like, tries to, like, float the little knobs. He's like, I don't know. It's the hydraulics is all broken. And
2: there's a fucking stopcock right on there. <laughs> and he's like, uh, there's radiation. What can I do? <laughs> you know,
1: that's what it is, too. Is that he built this stupid rig that didn't work. And then he's like, oh, it's all because the, the radiation did it. It wasn't my design. My design was really good. Uh-oh, like, he's I becoming he's becoming the... TP. Hold on a second.
2: <laughs> but, guys, my design's really good, though. And I like the I like t are <laughs> boobies. I like, I like it when the <laughs> boobies are on me. You got to remember, Matt, that he, his favorite food is catfish. <laughs> and I I wish I was a good boy like you, Harry, but I
1: like the catfish so much. <laughs> uh,
2: I gave best actor to Degra and worst actor to Travis, grinning from ear to ear at the moment when everyone else is being very somber about... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's such a bad actor and they give him so little to do and he still messes it up.
2: Oh, it's a real Harry Kim scenario where he gets one line and then you're like, I didn't like how he did that line.
1: Yep. I, I love that too. He's He is super jazzed about the coming uh, clash of arms that will surely lead to the deaths of many.
2: <laughs> and uh, Ben's quick hitter is, don't you think it's a bit meta that Bacula acting poorly as Archer, we see Archer is also a bad actor.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's hard to say. Actually, it's hard to separate all of it. It's very confusing.
2: Yeah, would would Degra have been convinced if Bakula was a better actor? That's oh, very confusing to think <laughs> about.
1: What if we replaced the character of Captain Archer just for this episode with the real life Scott Bakula? Uh
2: the winner last week was the next generation. Pretty common. This week we watched Allegiance.
1: Picard is relaxing by thinking about the good, good job they did on that fucking Fyrox Plague when he gets transported to a weird room with some strangers and a fake Picard is left in his place. Credits. Yeah. Picard and his fellow captive uh, strangers, a Bolian lady Starfleet cadet, a male Mizarian, and eventually a male Chalnoth, attempt to figure out what it is about them that makes them worth kidnapping and, like, what their captors might want. They start to spar and they turn on each other as they attempt to escape and finally begin to suspect each other of being spies or something, or even just, like, the dudes responsible. There's a ticking clock of sorts because the Chalnoth guy proclaims he can't eat that weird jelly they're trying to feed them, and he'll have to eat them, I guess. Anyway, uh, they're all accusing each other, and the Lady Cadet gives herself away by trying to defend Captain Picard from uh, accusations of being a spy by bringing up a bunch of shit that she shouldn't have any knowledge of. So Picard's on to her, but he plays it cool and keeps trying to escape while he watches her, to be sure. Finally, he declares that this charade has gone on long enough. He does his uh, accusatory parlor thing and declares um, it's what's-her-name who's the spy in the group. Then he shouts at her to get the hell out of our galaxy. (laughs) The lady turns into two aliens who explain... Three. The lady turns into three aliens who explain (laughs) their plan to replace them all with doubles while they study them and study their concepts of authority. And then they go, well, we caught, so we're going to send you all back. Uh, And then one of them goes with Picard to hang out on the bridge for a minute. While all that's been happening, (laughs) fake Picard has been like... Taking the slow road to some pulsar and changing their orders and watching people play poker and shit and asking a lot of questions about how people are responding to his weirdness. Yep. Then he goes and flirts with Dr. Crusher and invites her to dinner with him in his quarters and he basically.
2: And then fucking destroys her. (laughs)
1: He basically goes, There's a danger in one's penis becoming too detached from another's vagina, so (laughs) let's fuck. And she starts to be like, definitely, but what about work stuff? And he goes, yeah, you're right. See you tomorrow, bro. And her whole world turns upside down. And- it's just
2: her haven moment for sure.
1: <laughs> I really want to track this in future
2: episodes because she oh, is ruined. we'll be keeping an eye on it for sure.
1: Picard gives another weird order and they start the, a mutiny circle in 10 forward and... Just then, Picard walks in and is super cheery. He orders ales for everybody and starts a drinking song.
2: No one shouts, they're free! <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the gesture, I guess. It's just that we've never, ever paid for the drinks. What's ale?
1: I only have synth ale. Um, uh, so the mutiny circle gets annoyed and has to move to Riker's quarters. You know, like you want to have like a chilled game night or something. And yep. there's a bunch of rowdy folk nearby, and like, oh, let's just do this somewhere else.
2: But Riker doesn't serve sandwiches. No, his mutiny circle is not
1: like the just Prime drinks. Directive Circle. It's just
2: drinks at Rikers.
1: <laughs> the Mutiny Club is different from the Prime Directive Club, and please don't get them confused. One meets I'm Tuesday, sorry. Thursday, and one meets Monday, Wednesday,
2: Friday. I'm sorry, but I still think once a week about Jordy <laughs> getting those sandwiches and then the conversation just being over. As soon as and he's he... just sitting there in Pregard's quarters with a sandwich <laughs> just saying to him, Good sandwich. <laughs>
1: um Alright, so they're in Riker's quarters now, uh, talking about the mutiny, and they decide they'll just have to watch real close and see what happens. Picard orders Enterprise into a dangerous situation with this damn pulsar, and Riker finally pushes him. And Picard goes, I don't owe you five bucks. You owe me five bucks. (laughs) A stunning reversal. Finally, Picard orders Worf to take Riker off the bridge, but he doesn't budge. Anyway, these aliens show up with real Picard, and they love chatting. So much. Yes. They They want to
2: talk all about their cool experiment.
1: (laughs) They notice nothing that happens around them. The Enterprise bridge crew very obviously go to work on a plan to put these dudes in a containment field. Once captive, they learn a lesson about kidnapping and imprisonment. Anyway, off they go to rendezvous with the hood, and then Beverly comes in and gives Picard eyes, like she forgot about the whole mutiny circle, and the episode's (laughs) over. (laughs) She was in the mutiny circle! Uh Uh-huh. But she still walks in and is like, hey.
2: Yeah. She she gives him... <laughs> you're down? She gives him, you're in trouble eyes, I think.
1: Oh, is that what it is? There's
2: lots of possible ways to read it, but I think she gives him like, you're going to be embarrassed when I tell you what you did.
1: Oh, that's a... Yeah, I read it like she comes in and she's just like, so? She's,
2: she didn't want to fuck him before. She do not want to fuck him now that he's real. <laughs>
1: I think she definitely wanted to fuck him. She was just raising, she was weakly raising the objection. Yeah, but like you know, what about all we got a past, and what about he work got stuff? a kiss
2: out of the deal? But when she pulled back, that's when he kicked her out.
1: I I thought she was expecting him to push through and have a like a sort of half compelling argument to keep fucking, and then she would have gone Listen, with probably it,
2: probably right. And then yeah, he uh, went,
1: yeah, you're right, never mind. And she went,
2: wait, what? <laughs> he might have been the five right words away from sealing the deal. <laughs>
1: uh, well, anyway. That was the fucking episode. Who the fuck knows what was going on? What did you think this was about?
2: Uh, so, I mean, we talked about this with another episode this week. Uh, the premise is the worst part of this one. Yeah. Uh, the end of the day, the best I could do is the truth will out, I guess. It's yeah. um, the only usable take takeaway I could find is that liars will trip themselves up if you just pay attention. Like there's a lot of other themes. There's authority, scientific ethics, the morality of incarceration. Oh, yeah, there's a lot but of stuff. They, but they all exist in little speeches that are given by characters, and none of them are part of the plot. Yeah. So, if that's all that I've got, it's a very it's a pretty weak take, and I gave it two points.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. What did Ben do? Um... Nothing. No, no. Uh, ben he, doesn't
2: have a take or execution for allegiance. He sent an update.
1: Oh, shit. Uh, He says, voluntary cooperation between individuals in a group is more powerful than groupthink, even if the group is perfectly aligned. I was so confused by that sentence. He gave it... It's
2: tough, but he gave it seven points.
1: He gave it a seven. (laughs) I was like, I'm not really sure upon reading it exactly what it means.
2: Usually this is the part of the show where I shit on Ben's take. Uh, Voluntary cooperation. Let's just say he gave it seven points. Between
1: individuals in a group is more powerful than groupthink. Okay, I get that. Even if the group is perfectly, alike. I think he's just trying to say it might seem like groupthink, but it's different. Okay, I got it. Uh, well, anyway, I guess I was uh in between you uh, on the score. Uh, I have societal hierarchies and like authority are hard concepts to understand.
2: Thanks, guys. <laughs> you know what? Never that mind. doesn't I'm sound like a that doesn't sound like it should be between my score and Ben. <laughs> say, that mind. sounds like it should be between my score and zero. I'm right with you. I gave it a two. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I saw a
1: three there, and I, that must have been a mistake. I didn't mean that. Okay, I didn't I mean I probably, the three.
2: I probably meant to type two. Yeah,
1: they're next to each other. That's what happens sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, like, I just picked the one, I picked one of the things it was about, and the, yeah. none of them were useful to me.
2: Um. <laughs> okay. Well, Ben is a seven uh, for execution as well. Good God. Which, uh, by the way... Ah!
0: Ben's
2: pick of the week? Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Yes, it was. Uh, He says, uh, dropping right into the episode is great. Slow build on both sides of the plot. Little hunches and touches. Uh, He liked that the clock was the Chalnoth hunger. He says they lean too hard on the audience knowing it's not Picard. His weird behavior could really be just like a midlife crisis. We talk about it's this a true, lot. but I mean the audience also knows it's not Picard, right? Honestly, even if the whole visit to the pulsar is a waste of time, the stakes are super low because they're just delaying a nothing mission, and that's certainly true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just ordering a suicide mission is the last straw for Riker, right? Yeah. Take us.
1: Uh, I, wonder, I wonder if they'll do anything if I just. Hey, take us right. take us inside the star. Can you do that? Right inside the pulsar. Can you? <laughs>
2: Can we go? Hey, this is a, here's a weird sentence Starfleet officers don't get to say a lot. Ramming speed. <laughs> That's right. Ooh, I like saying it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was not as high as Ben was on this. Um, for me, I gave it a 4 on execution. I only sort of enjoy the games going on in this lab experiment these guys are running and I'm much more interested in what happens on Enterprise. It's- But even that is executed in kind of an amazingly amateurish way. (laughs) Like, we've talked about this a million times. He does some weird stuff, and he's being weird, but all the trust they have for Picard does kind of go out the window. And they do go to Mutiny Circle. Yeah, Not that he should be allowed to take them inside the Pulsar, obviously. Um... Even just, like, the music cues are weird, where, like, he's singing that song, and the, mu- the music gets all scary, and it's like, I don't know, I mean, like, even if he's been replaced, it seems like he's not up to
2: much. That's a good, It's a very good point. Like, what's he up to? In fact, they never figure out that he's been replaced, yeah, they just, think he's being influenced. Yeah, They think there's a fucking Ferengi thought maker somewhere.
1: The amount of time it takes them to finally remember that there was this f- weird sensor reading from his quarters in the first scene...
2: Yeah, they're lucky they invited Data to yeah. the mutiny circle, which must have been risky. Because <laughs> <laughs> he could just go right I mean, to Picard. I Data loves mutiny. We know Data loves mutiny, yep. but can't count on him though. You never know what that guy's gonna do. He could have called Picard in front of him.
1: Yeah, not dependable at all. You guys are acting against uh, Starfleet regulations, and I, I don't like it. I'm calling our captain.
2: Yeah, like, but it's like- kind of it's kind of an un an unsafe move to have Worf there too. And he's not because down. it's like. Yeah, Worf and Riker are good buddies. Yeah. And we know Worf would rather serve under Riker than Picard. Yeah. It's actually come up.
1: It's 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 come up in uh
2: Like a couple times. The Hathaway one and uh The Hathaway one, also in uh the Icarus Factor. Yes. Yeah. But uh but Worf did just have Picard as his Chadich. Right, I should say
1: I should clarify, is the Icarus Factor the one where Worf breaks his model and throws it into his desk? <laughs> is that the one? I think it is. One million times I've searched online for a gif of that and I cannot find one. Why isn't there one? It makes me so upset. I've tried so many times. I can never, ever find it. And I, that's all I want in the world is just that fucking gif out so that I can ha- just use it for any meme that I want. <laughs>
2: Uh well first of all you could every, you could tweet every day mood colon and then that gif and it would be perfect A perfectly <laughs> accurate and B one of the world's most popular Twitter feeds. Yes, and, and yes.
1: Every time I did it it would be funnier than the last. Um Okay, so anyway, they go through the whole mutiny circle, talking about all the stuff he's doing that's weird, and then at the end, Data's like, oh, also there was that weird energy reading from his quarters we never figured out. It's like, yeah, guys, pay attention. One factor
2: we have yet to consider is the strange energy it's like,
1: oh... It's like, yeah, obviously. I mean, you should have thought about that at the time. When you got to his quarters, you should have gone, hey, we found some weird energy in here. Can you mind if we scan around? Like, what's going on in here? But they just go, oh, they it's were, fine. He's, he's just Picard.
2: They, they were so fucking, Worf was so fucking, what do I do now when Picard had like a book and a drink? And he was like, <laughs> oh, what's I'm up? disturbing him. And he was like, <laughs>
1: oh, I was, I meant to go
2: to my, is this not my quarters? I thought these were my quarters.
1: <laughs> oh, these guys know we're just going to play. Thanks these. for being my chatty Pain sticks. We're gonna play paints to me and these guys are gonna play pain sticks later. That's all. Anyway. Enjoy your book very much. <laughs> um I guess I like the um so they do the close up shots of Picard and Riker in the ready room? When Riker yep. finally pushes back on him and it just shoots from from face to face. I think I liked that.
2: Hey, uh Riker's already starting to look a little watery eyed, huh? <laughs> What do you think that is? Was he eating a real bad diet? I mean, was it like, yes. Do you think after the scene, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart was like, y- you gotta stop eating canned corned beef for every meal. Oh
1: my God. We were so close. I almost said <laughs> after the scene, he popped open a can of ham, <laughs> a canned <laughs> ham. <laughs>
2: I'm just saying, like, he's he's starting to look a little... Kind of uh, bloated, salt bloated,
1: for sure. It
2: is salt, yeah. It looks like salt bloat, for sure. Yeah, he's
1: definitely been eating some meats that he shouldn't, and particularly some canned meats. (laughs) Which, as we know, are extra salty. Um, (laughs) Yo, in the end, how did Picard know they hadn't rendezvoused with the hood and, like, what to do next? He just shows up and he puts those guys in a force field, and then they (laughs) Uh go away, and then he goes, put us on course to rendezvous with the hood. And it's like, what if they did that while you were gone?
2: As Ben points out, their mission to rendezvous with the hood is to help them with terraforming. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a mission where it's okay to miss a day. I think it will. But also, how, how does he know they didn't already rendezvous with them? As, as he ain't been point. around. He just he, sits down and goes, take us to
1: the hood. It's like, what?
2: Maybe he knows that it hasn't been 30, 36 hours. There's probably a big clock above the view screen we never <laughs> see.
1: <laughs> I just wonder how he doesn't go. So what would you guys do while I was gone? <laughs> but so, are God, we still... You- you get What's up to next? anything or did we did do, the, we do hood? the hood part is that done uh anyway yeah so I could only award it four I felt like I, maybe there a lot like, of misses but who was
2: captain of the hood DeSoto? because DeSoto wasn't hanging around he was like I <laughs> guess we haven't met the hood yet <laughs>
1: maybe hey, that guy you can never get rid of him if we wander with the hood we'll be stuck with him for weeks only he had a four crush three. on
2: Pulaski for sure by the way uh and then
1: she had a crush on me it was really weird.
2: It was a whole thing. Anyway, I ruined that by being a murderer. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't so into me after that. After I did a bunch of murderers, <laughs> right. she did a murder, and she was like, what am I doing here? After I did
1: a murder, and she, I made her and O'Brien clean it up. You guys remember that when I did that murder. Um, she wouldn't look at me so very much anymore. And uh, But yeah, she was way into me, and I'm the kind of guy who brags about it, too. If, I'll talk about it. If I know someone's into
2: me, I'll just fucking... It's very, by the way, it's entirely possible that I am a virgin. We'll see. <laughs> but she was waiting
1: me. I had lots of opportunities. I could have it's done it It's possible
2: Poloski. until we get to Tapestry, and even then, it's, it's still sort of possible. Dude,
1: you guys all saw me, though. You know she was down to clown. I had opportunities. If I wanted to, I
2: wouldn't be a virgin anymore. I could do it. Uh, next week is Captain's Holiday, by the way.
1: Good Lord. And again, we'll have to discuss then whether he really goes through with it, because... It's a very Star Trek scene where they got all their clothes on at the end. And yeah, I don't but... know whether he fucked. I don't know. Anyway. Moving uh, on. We're still doing your. It's a four for me. I'm, I'm good on execution. Okay. It's a,
2: it's a four in uh, execution is what we call that score. Yes. Um, the scenes on Enterprise I like. Yeah. There's a gradual escalation of odd behavior. From the mission change that Picard then takes the trouble to thoroughly explain to Riker,
1: mm-hmm.
2: to uh, kind of strange requests at poker night, yeah, to the date with Beverly, which was pretty weird, to Heart of Oak, which was very weird, <laughs> to the pulsar, which was crazy. Yeah, right? well, that's so, yeah, that's
1: again that, okay, no, a suicide mission.
2: It's a pretty thorough es- escalation. Yeah, uh, he's not doing weird big giveaways like Nagilam in, in silence. Yeah. Right. He's just doing things we know Picard wouldn't do. And also it's natural that the crew knows he wouldn't do them either.
1: What do you mean by Nagilam in silence? Did he inhabit someone's body?
2: Yeah, he has Data and Troy come to when oh, Picard, when they're doing yeah, the countdown, yeah, gotcha. and Picard's listening to the music, and, and, they, and yes. he comes he's in he's and Data calls Seti. him jean Luke, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's listening to Sati, and Data comes in and gives, Nagilum As Data comes in and gives it up a word one, and you go, all right. All right,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's Nagilum. Okay. I got it.
1: Thanks, guys. Jesus.
2: <laughs> so, the Picard 2 is not playing it that way. Right, right, right. Yeah. The prison break side is less good. Yeah. We have a whole race of, as Aesok says, surrenderers. Mm-hmm. And a whole race of violent anarchists with no world government. Yep. So we're firmly in the Star Wars model. <laughs> yep. the uh, The obstacles that they overcome are really basic and clumsy, and you have to be paying super close attention to notice that uh, Corolla Five is something that she shouldn't know about. Yeah, he says it like, in like his he gives it away log. that he's. It, it gives it away that it's a test, but you don't know why it's a test unless you remember that that's the planet he mentioned once in the opening log. Where that fucking Fyrox plague was. And even then he says that that's a cl- the plague is classified instead of saying, how would you know about a mission? You've been here three days. How would you know about a mission we just did?
1: So, uh, she would have had to have been fucking uh, Valer- Valeris? Taleris? What's her name? She would have had to have been walking by his quarters. Oh, yeah, Valeris. And heard him talking about how the Klingons killed his son and he'll never trust the Klingons.
2: Or I guess she could have done a real Aladar Al- Al- Jerok defense. She was the clerk for that system.
1: Common knowledge. Common knowledge. Let me spit those words out a little bit more
2: for you. I meant C. Tall, of course. He hasn't,
1: yeah, that hasn't point.
2: revealed yet who he is. Um, then he declares the experiment over. and luckily these guys don't just flush him into space yeah they're like no okay we'll return you we're done i guess also because of the a plot b plot structure of this episode the uh, senior staff goes from zero to mutiny too fast
1: yes that's the problem
2: and the only saving grace there is that riker waits until picard gives a suicidal order and even then he doesn't officially relieve him of command he just has that order ignored yeah right so that's the only thing that's, that it helps counteract how fast they're at the mutiny conference.
1: Also, it's very convenient that right when they get to that point is the exact same time when real Picard beams back. <laughs>
2: it's extremely convenient for sure.
1: Right. Like, we don't know what that other Picard's going to do at this point, but it doesn't matter because real Picard comes.
2: Uh, so you and I felt the same. We liked Enterprise and didn't care much for the prison. Yeah. Uh, I think that's true. One fun observation from reading reviews and comments about this episode is that about half of people seem to think the prison break is the good half and the Enterprise is the bad half.
1: It sounds like Ben liked the prison.
2: Yeah, seems like. Yeah. So people uh, people break down which half of this episode they like. Hmm. Uh I give it a five. Okay. And for world building... Yeah. Uh, ben is a four... Uh, he says eradicating disease and teaming up with the hood to help terraform. So these are two boring missions that the Enterprise is on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that fireworks plague was pretty nasty, but yeah.
2: He says there seems to be a lot of terraforming going on for a galaxy teeming with Class M planets already. There's <laughs> 2s true. out there
1: fucking all over the place. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many, there they're just sitting out there.
2: He says cool new beaming technology with that flatbed scanner. Mm. Uh, you didn't mention this, but a weird... Uh, Windows screensaver obelisk <laughs> appears over Picard and that scans him and then beams him out.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: Uh, Chalma and Bolians and mm-hmm. Uh The baddies can replicate a person very closely. Beverly can't tell and Troy can't. Well, that's Troy, a big okay, weakness in this one.
1: It, all real weaknesses Troy specifically says, I believe, that she's not reading anything from him. Which for some reason, yeah. she says he's very detached from his emotions. But that's not a giveaway for her apparently. Yeah.
2: Uh, with no money, how is buying around for the bar thing? Cadets sing a lot. Four points. Mm. Uh, I agree. I gave it four points. Hey. Okay. So the classified Fireox plague. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it means that it's classified. I don't. I kind of don't like that. It feels yeah. weird that you'd classify that Some there was a plague. weird
1: state censorship about shit going on out on the fucking frontier. Maybe.
2: Maybe Corcoral I five isn't a member of the Federation and they've agreed to classify it. It's hard to know. With that government, who knows? The hood waiting thirty six hours at a rendezvous point, and then I remembered that Enterprise did that with the victory. Yep. So that Yeah,
1: dude. You know you've played Wing Commander, you get to nav point one and a Draymond will jump in, but you have to escort it to nav point two through the minefield.
2: It's weird though, right? Couldn't they come thirty six hours closer to Enterprise? <laughs> You'd think so. I don't get it. Uh, Bridge Force Fields, Academy Drinking Songs, uh, Interstellar Cultures that have no law or government, All and right. powerful Interstellar Cultures that have no concept of authority. That's true, yeah. Uh, so I give it a four. Okay. I feel like is more world-building than most episodes.
1: Yeah, I've also got Fire Rocks Plague Classified, Terraforming Mission with the Hood, Mizar 2, Dudes Have Been Conquered Six Times in the Last 300 Years, uh i too have not heard of the maropa so i'm i'm right there with that uh Myzerian guy uh chalna i ask again how are we judging the efficiency number jordy gives picard on those
2: engines what does it mean I, yeah it's wild but he knocks it up three more percents. so that's what
1: earns everyone a song and a nail so good job jordy um uh this chalna thinks nothing of eating the Myzerian dude. She's just like, he's like, I can't eat this. And then he just walks right over to the dude and he's like, it's going to be you, bro.
2: I mean, there's literally no law on this planet. I so. got to
1: let you know, it's going to be you. I'm going to eat you first. You look fucking tasty.
2: I like to eat blue guys. So you're next lady. Well, after four days, he'll be hungry and that guy will put up the least fight. <laughs> for sure. Well, definitely. Also, he's got the only knife. Uh,
1: The future early 90s casual outfits are the pits. <laughs> just <laughs> every fucking week. I'm like, oh, God. Like Picard and Crusher on their date.
2: Hmm. Oh yeah, I mm. uh, actually did. I didn't hate Picard's as usual. I like his little rap outfit, his little deep V rap. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I kind of like it. Um, her beige dress over <laughs> beige leggings. What's the deal? Is bad. What's happening? It's happened? very bad. Why did they love earth tones so much? If it was even if it was darker, because she's got pretty fair skin. Yeah, but it's it's too light.
1: Yep, it's hideous. Hey, why do they sing this particular song at the Academy in the
2: 2300s? Are you talking about the Royal Navy March, Heart of Oak?
1: Yes. At the Starfleet Academy in the 2300s. Yeah. I know college is all about tradition and stuff, but like, let's be real.
2: Listen, they love to sing a song. Whose tradition is it? What's happening? About about the British uh, miracle year of 1752 or 1759 (laughs) or whatever. Right so Ooh.
1: fucking wild uh, for me it was only a three um
2: by, by the way some... we're uh we agree that we enjoyed watching this more than we're scoring oh, it, dude, right? this
1: episode was okay. hella yeah. fun to watch uh
2: that that scene where i think geordie and Worf don't know the lyrics <laughs> Worf is mouthing some nonsense straight up stops pretending as soon as picard steps away and Worf gives is... wharf gives geordie a look
1: in that scene <laughs> That says that basically says, what the fuck is this guy doing? He gives him a look like, is this guy for fucking
2: real? Anyway, he's not he's not singing that one song, no no hey oh no <laughs> no, because Worf would be down for that. <laughs> we'll I don't know it. the words to that one, but you know what I'm I'll talking ta, about. We'll get there. Hey oh. Yeah. That's an episode where he fucks maybe an underage girl. It's, uh, I think it is implied that she is
1: underage, and I think it's implied that they go at it. So, but we'll find out. Um,
2: they have lake sex. So we'll find out pond in, sex, maybe pond sex in many
1: years when we eventually get to that. Is that six or seven?
2: <laughs> I listen. I don't know. Long, I don't even remember the name of that episode. A long birthright, a long way off. Is it birthright? Oh yeah, that's birthright. Yeah. Shit.
1: Uh, All right, characterization. Um Ben gave it a six. He says, Uh Riker, don't worry about me. I can handle the lack of communication, which comes minutes of screen time before a mutiny. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> he doesn't handle it so very well.
2: It's like episode 125, so it might be end of season six.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's, because I know the one that ends that season is Descent, so it's not Descent, the one that ends yeah. it, but it is a two-parter. Um, anyway, yeah, he's right. Riker claims he can handle Picard's weird, vague instructions, but only minutes of screen time later mutinies, so. Um, fake Picard is exploring the boundaries of all his relationships, and it's revealing all of the other characters. It's so out of character that Picard shows up at a poker game or sings a song or whatever that they straight conspire against him on that alone. This is the joke we make about this episode all the time. (laughs) The things that lead them to the mutiny circle are, oh, they seem... If you tried to explain it to the court later when your mutiny was bad because he yeah. was just regular Picard and you go, "Uh, well, he sang the song in 10 forward. I know it doesn't sound like much. Um,
2: it, it, it's But there's a see there's It's it's in the episode where Picard says, do you think this evidence will convince a board of inquiry? And he's and like, Riker says, no, I don't. It's not.
1: I don't care. My I have to protect this ship or whatever. But like if it was real Picard and they had to explain this later, it will be real bad
2: yeah <laughs> I mean <Rain laughs> Picard could get away with it if it was Drumhead he <laughs> could he could oh, weasel talk your his way, way out. out of yeah, it yeah, yeah. by bringing in his old buddy and then <laughs> and making then, a real speech till that guy's disgusted
1: that's right where they go all these things really happened and they're real and they're in the records all these things you did wrong and then you just go you know I got a couple things to say and I want to
2: talk about Simon Tarsis over here for a minute can you
1: not be so racist about my boy Simon Simon stand up can
2: I redirect things to talk about Simon Tarsis? Simon stand up
1: Look at your, look at his ears now, is he bad? Also, let's talk about another thing. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like. Talk about, let's talk about your dad. let talk about your dad. I remember a guy named Aaron Satie. Aaron, I call him. A-ron Sati. he was, Aaron Satie. Aaron Satie. He was a great dude. I remember him, and I remember how much he loved justice. And what's this? If not an in injustice. Boom. And they all just go, God damn it. What have we become? And that guy, you're right, that Admiral, shakes his head and just walks out. <laughs> Fucking Picard. Um. So anyway, it was a six for Ben. For me, it's a five. Picard checks people's vitals with a full throat choke.
2: <laughs> yes! No like, uh, no shit. She's scared when she wakes up. His hands are completely
1: around her throat.
2: That ain't how you do it, That's buddy.
1: That's not how you should do it ever. If someone's like, um maybe asleep, check to see if they're asleep first by saying, Hey! <laughs> hey, hey! Hey, wake up! Clap your hands or something. You don't just put your hand around their throat. Picard also clearly finds the Miserians disgusting for being conquered roughly every 50 years.
2: His disgust towards. I forget his name. Me too. Miserian dude. It is. is He's angry and disgusted with the guy. He hates the pacifist so much. (laughs) Until he gets scanned by the. Until he gets shot by the harmful Ray. Yeah. And then, like, he gets distracted, I think, but, like, yeah, <laughs> Thal, Thal is his name. He hates that guy so much. He hates that dude. He hates, hates, him, hates him a lot.
1: Like, as much as Riker hates Data, he hates this guy. Um, Picard does remember one mission he did aboard Stargazer when he visited Chalna, unless that's a make up he just did on the spot. So that's why good.
2: Would, hey, why would you visit Planet Anarchy? Planet <laughs> No-Laws?
1: Just to launch some torps and get out of there, probably. Because he, like, you remember, he doesn't even remember, like, what the Stargazer is, or, like, what it looks like.
2: He certainly does not recognize it when it reappears. Or, like,
1: the Battle of Maxia. But it's cool. He remembers when he visited Chowna. Um, does Wesley just have to guess a speed that Picard might want to go at? Picard's like, how long would it take us to go to wherever? And he's like, at warp seven, it would take us 34 minutes or whatever. But like, how does he guess? Is he just learned over time to approximate as close to thirty-five minutes as possible?
2: <laughs> Probably something is that the like sweet that, spot yeah. for Picard? That's what Picard's. That's about what he would like to do.
1: I'm gonna watch Parks and Rec and then I'm gonna take a shit. We need to be there after that.
2: <laughs> um, it's pretty good. It's the little Sebastian Memorial. You episode. remember
1: that one, right? You remember it's my favorite part. Is that the, the one guy, the the numbers guy, he doesn't know why everyone likes the horse. It's it's a good show. <laughs> it's,
2: pretty, it's pretty good.
1: Wesley, you should watch it. Wesley, I'm going to talk about you in my log later. <laughs> she,
2: she, told, she told him to make do a song that's like Candle in the Wind, but 5,000 times better. And the song is 5,000 Candles <laughs> in the Wind. It's a good
1: joke. You get it. It's a pretty good joke. Uh, crushing to watch Wesley have to turn on his space dad in the end. Wesley was not invited to
2: the mutiny circle. He was not in the mutiny party at all. Was Crusher there? Yeah, she was there.
1: And Wesley clearly feels a little bit left out and confused because they're like... She didn't
2: bring him up to speed, though.
1: No, well, then she had to tell him about the weird date she had with the space dad. And maybe she and the space dad are getting back together, but...
2: She was like, he kissed me once, and also I felt it through his pants. (laughs) And then... But then he was just like, all right, right, maybe we should call it a night. Get out. (laughs) I'm opening the door, open, the door and standing by the door. showed me the door.
1: Yep. Yeah. He made sure I left. It was weird. Um Riker is easy to appease if you just invite him in for a quick one-on-one and make it seem like you value his his advice over everybody else's. <laughs> yep. In the beginning,
2: he's like um I, I mean, probably like, this is like that time we went to that secret planet and then all the, and then the two ships were destroyed and then it turned out that everybody had a dang worm in them. So this is probably another worm threat. Those worms are oh, back shit. finally.
1: I bet the bluegills are back. Fuck. <laughs> this is going to be bad. It's weird that he like, wouldn't
2: tell me because I already know about the bluegills. It must be something else cool.
1: But you can tell he's confused because as soon as Picard explains anything to him at all, he's like, okay,
2: cool. <clears> Thank <throat> God I not have to think about this. Oh, no good. He seems reasonable.
1: Um, let's see. Uh, I've never had a doctor smile at me and tell me, "You are in great shape." Not. Fuck, anymore.
2: Beverly. Yeah. Uh,
1: then what fake Picard does to Beverly in this episode again bears watching down the road.
2: Oh, it's murder. It is murder.
1: I just, we need to go to Theory Corner a couple times, I think, just to check in because.
2: He makes her say out loud that she's always had a thing for him. Uh Uh-huh. And then. Then they kiss. He asks asks if they don't do some shit about it because he's the commander. And she's like, well, no, that's not it. (laughs) And then he murders her.
1: (laughs) He just absolutely floors her. Again, Worf gives Geordi a look that I very much enjoyed. uh, But he hates the idea of mutiny. Not into it. He's in the mutiny circle grumbling a lot. Yeah, it's not his deal. Yeah. Uh, So five for me. Things I enjoyed. Things that were weird.
2: Uh, You know, I went even one better. Uh, I gave it a six. Okay. So real Picard is more or less exactly as we'd expect. He is unifying, but he's not friendly. He's observant. He ends up more or less being able to just order the experiment stopped. He's a little pompous on the bridge.
1: Yeah, he is. Jesus.
2: Uh, we learn that Beverly's not interested in a deeper relationship. Kiss aside. Uh, why is Data on board for this mutiny talk? I asked. You know what I thought about pen pals and I retract that question. <laughs> it's just, just No. Pen pals Data
1: uh, is... Uh, he's really ruined Data.
2: I guess Troy doesn't pick anything up this time, huh? I'm surprised she wasn't on vacation. This week they should have, or at a conference again, or something. Her
1: dumb line about how detached he is from his emotions—it's like we get it. It's a band aid. You can just leave.
2: But again, because I, I, I liked the Enterprise half uh, when that is uh, character moments half. Yeah, uh, it's a six for me. Okay. Quickies. Uh, what did Ben give it? Just
1: great TNG music.
2: Uh, yeah. Okay, so we got a couple. I thought it was uh, pretty humiliating for Picard to have been abducted by a window screensaver. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That don't look good. He's just sitting there with his book too. What story do you think Riker was telling himself about Picard asking for Warp 2?
1: Like yeah. at Warp 7? We know that 38 we know Picard's minutes.
2: not gonna tell him. Yeah. What do you think Riker made up as an excuse for that in his brain? Also, 31 hours at Warp Two. Guess what? This is another stellar phenomenon inside the same star system. <laughs> that's right. Warp 2 is 10 times the speed of light in TNG. 31 hours is like, uh, would be, th- so 310 light hours.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. Hey, that's
2: a lot less than a light year, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Picard knows a lot about myzerians and I don't think he likes them much. You are correct. I thought asking Beverly out to dinner made a really good cover for getting the early physical. I bet she stopped thinking about it entirely.
1: A hundred percent. So she's like, you're in great shape. And just fucking you're eye like, fucks oh, the so, shit out of him.
2: She's like, oh, it's so fucking weird that you came yes. for an early physical. And then at the end, he's like, so um, you want to go to dinner tonight? And then she was like, that's why he's here. <laughs> last that was it. last the whole time. Thing.
1: Yeah. Last time she ever thought about the early physical. It probably yeah. She probably after the fact still doesn't remember it.
2: Right. I had forgotten that that scene, that that went as far as a kiss. Yeah, dude, they actually went there. Yeah, I mean it wasn't real Picard, so I guess it don't count. That's but how like, they convert, uh,
1: just like when T'Pol kissed a uh, clone. Trip. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You can go there, man. It don't matter. Don't none of that matter.
2: Hey, I forgot about Clone Trip.
1: Why did you forget about him? It was the most immoral, insane thing they've ever done. <laughs> they've god. done some weird shit. Oh god. Yeah, dude. They made a farm. They farmed some organs. <laughs> for real, they did on purpose because they needed him for the mission for unspecified reasons.
2: I just fucking put that one out of my mind. Yeah, that's
1: right. Someone asked you out and you forgot about it.
2: Yeah. Why would a plague be classified? I think we've covered that. Why wasn't it enough that the core i 5 mission was Enterprise's most recent mission?
1: Yeah, that it had been classified. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
2: How did Riker know that that raised eyebrow he got from Picard meant uh, put him in a status field and not... uh, and not a fire phasers, at him. Riker loves phasers. <laughs> well, yes.
1: Luckily, that thing had made its way around the bridge. Like Data was doing something at his console and Worf right. did something at his. So the, problem, the message popped up on Riker's screen. We're going to put him in a force field. Don't shoot him.
2: I guess so. But like Riker initiated it. Picard looks uh, at him and okay. then Riker like leans oh. back and does some shit on his little console.
1: Data cleaned it up. <laughs>
2: It uh, was like, mm-hmm. I know Picard didn't mean phasers. Riker was it- hella surprised when that field appeared around them. First of all, he didn't know that could happen.
1: It, the message appeared on Data's screen, shoot them, but it just said THM because he's, you know, he's not so very good at typing <laughs> without looking. And right. Data went, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So he passed it on to Worfers. I don't just...
2: think we need to go right to that. <laughs> yeah,
1: let's put him in a force field and see how that goes. <laughs>
2: oh, man. Um I gave Best Actor to Duplicard, as one review called him. Okay. And Worst Actor to uh, Cadet Haro. Yeah. Which is tough, because this episode has Asok in it. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. I thought her acting was worse.
1: Uh, let's see. Picard. <laughs> it's just when, he's, when he tastes that jelly in the that first scene... That one is yours, Picard. You put your mouth on it.
2: <laughs> he did. He licked it, and then he, he just puts it back. And then he put it right back down on that surface, yep. and it's like, I know there's no plates, and he didn't want to eat it right then, and he didn't want to carry it around, and his uniform doesn't have pockets. So there's lots of reasons why he did what he did. But Picard, like, we don't know wild. how many
1: they're going to give us. That one's yours for sure. I'm not here's eating it. Anoth-
2: here's another thing. Some prop guy had to make like 20 of those, because there's a whole fucking stack right, of them in
1: that I mean, a 100 of those device. jellies. Um, the makeup on this Chalnoth doesn't really hold up.
2: The you talking about how maybe the teeth move around a little bit? Teeth are real no, jangling. Are, are very loose.
1: <laughs> it's like it maybe on your thirteen-inch TV you couldn't really tell, but now you look at it and you go, "That's not." Don't submit that to the Academy. They ain't gonna. They ain't gonna yeah. like that one so much.
2: It's like, hey, uh, don't teeth usually go into bone and they don't move around very much? (laughs) They don't
1: just like flap around on your face. This guy's teeth
2: are like all blah, 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 blah. Uh,
1: Everybody's favorite pastime, playing poker in front of your weird boss. (laughs) Just keep playing. Just keep playing. Maybe you'll run out of chips. Just go all in on the next hand. Just go all in.
2: I love that Riker couldn't say, you're just going to (laughs) watch.
1: He's all, no, just continue. And they all just had to go, all right. Uh, I'm all in. Yep. I'm all in. Are you sure you're showing a two? I always and a five? bet everything. No, I'm, I'm As always, I'm all in. I mean you know me. High stakes, I come to, I don't come to play, motherfuckers. I'm all in. Sorry about the swearing, Captain. Um this Misarian is also a racist. Full stop. He don't like like any other races. Um And again, fake Picard is a master. A negging master. Yeah. Again he... He opens the door and stands by the door. Yep. In a way that very obviously means it's time for you Oh, I knew I had to leave. You gotta get out. (laughs) You have to get out right now. And I'm going to make sure you don't, like, try to do anything on the way that'll keep you here for any more time. We're not going to have a conversation on the way out about, like, a sculpture in my quarters. We're not going to talk about, like, this cool 3D... Fucking image of this weird orbit that I'm always fascinated by. We ain't gonna talk about it. You gotta come to the door right now. (laughs) And if you do anything else, it will be very apparent that you're stalling. (laughs) It's fucking like that's such a a move I don't have the confidence to do. I would never have the confidence to do it. That's why I get caught in so many conversations.
2: It's like, uh, we don't usually do therapy, but I was gonna say, it's he'd be real good at getting off the phone with one of our <laughs> That's right. well, I'll, I won't say which one I'll
1: use it I'll use this example one time at work there was a guy named Chip who was really fucking friendly and he would come over to my cube and he would just talk and talk and talk and It would take me like 45 minutes and every time my answer was after like 45 minutes would just be to get up and go into the bathroom and not even say anything to him. (laughs) Just while he was talking, just eventually be like, I don't know what to do. This guy won't leave me alone. So I would just get up and go to the bathroom and hope that when I came back, he had gotten bored and moved on. (laughs) I certainly was not cool enough to the instant I was ready for him to leave to just stand up at my cube and be like, you ready to go? Are you going to leave now? Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's fake Picard for you.
2: Yeah. Fake Picard's pretty powerful. That's it, man. Hey, we did the dang thing.
1: We did. It. I think we did a good job. I'm going to say it.
2: Yeah. Uh, scores. All right. Scores. Last place this week with 17 points. <sighs> not not good. <laughs> Voyager with displaced. That's 17 points without a note take.
1: I just, when's it going to fucking end? Is this going to be through season seven?
2: It's pretty incredible, actually. It's like, it's, this Voyager has the third longest run. I and know. And so there's going to be a long stretch uh, beginning at week.
1: Yeah, whenever Enterprise ends, yeah.
2: Beginning at week 98, from 98 until the one late 160s or early 170s. Where it's just TNG DS9 Voyager. Yep. And I grant you the season 6 or 7 of TNG stink.
1: Yeah, they're not good.
2: And uh, the end of DS9 stinks. Is weird.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm actually very concerned. <laughs> it's going to be very hard to watch those <laughs> seasons altogether.
2: The, thankfully, the thing is that we will only, at that point, we'll only be watching three of these every two mm-hmm. weeks instead of five. But like, so Voyager I guess we'll have a chance assuming that season 6 and 7 of Voyager don't also stink. Yep. But right now they are digging themselves like just an enormous hole.
1: They're so far behind everybody.
2: They 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 have 3 fewer wins than Enterprise. They're 200 points behind Enterprise. They're 200 points behind Enterprise and over 600 points behind TNG. Mhm. That's wild.
1: They not good, man. Uh Again, a 2-1 premise this week from them, combined. Yeah,
2: So, so, so 17, uh, fourth place this week with 24 points, uh, TOS plato Stepchildren. We both agreed it was not good. Yeah. Uh, we have a tie for second place mm-hmm. with uh, 31 points, which is just a point above average. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Enterprise with Stratagem. Mm -hmm. and TNG with Allegiance.
1: Yeah, that's below TNG's average, but for all episodes is right about average.
2: And both of those get their scores primarily from me. I was, well, no, I shouldn't say primarily. I was one point ahead of you on Stratagem. We were pretty close. I was three points ahead of you on Allegiance, enough that I had it slightly above average and you had it slightly below. Yeah. But the winner this week with 47 points, which is very respectable, DS9 Improbable Cause... The yeah. first part of a two-parter.
1: I guess it says good things about the second part, but they could definitely botch it. So
2: They could, but as always with a two-parter, I have to ask, Matt, are you looking forward to watching part two? Hell
1: yes, I am. There's yeah, a secret too. battle fleet and a Garrick. we probably going to meet a Romulan, would be my guess. I don't know. Maybe not. Who yeah, knows? it could be. So, I mean, there's a
2: couple of them hanging around Tane all the time.
1: Yeah, pointy-eared friends that he's got. It's not racist. It's true. So here's what we should watch.
2: Okay. Here's what you should watch if you're playing along for week 66. Wink of an Eye.
1: I don't remember what that one is. I don't remember what the thumbnail was.
2: Oh, well. Captain's Holiday. I remember what that one is. Picard tries to have a cool
1: vacation. Maybe Riker thought it would be a cool sex vacation for him, and then he gets embroiled in a mystery of the cosmos.
2: Riker sends him to Planet Sex Work, Mm -hmm. and he gets involved in, uh, yeah, some serious shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we are watching The Die is Cast. Part 2 of the DS9. Uh, Voyager, Worst Case Scenario. That's called Star Trek Voyager. That is, that's every episode is the worst case scenario. And Enterprise, Harbinger. Oh, well that sounds dark. Like it should be the name of a Deep Space Nine or Voyager episode? Yes.
1: Well, it's not Cathexis. Yeah, (laughs) Isn't it? Uh... I'm very glad that we did this. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Did everybody at home enjoy it? Thank you for your responses, everybody.
2: Does <laughs> that convince? I'm sure everybody shouted yes. We enjoyed it. I think
1: it was, was that pretty? That was pretty convincing. I think everyone
2: probably. Oh, I, I forgot to mention, by the way, that yeah. that was Deep Space Nine's seventeenth win, so they are now tied with TOS,
1: and they are ahead in
2: points again. Yep. Yeah, they are, right now they are eighteen points up. Yeah, they were
1: up for a while, and then they gave some ground away, and that's now they're back up.
2: So looking. I would say increasingly likely that TOS is going to drop out in third place.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Because I um, I don't see Enterprise catching them. And,
2: uh, <laughs> no, Enterprise would have to win <laughs> uh, 12 of the next... <laughs> It'd be a lot. They'd have to go on a real 14. run. 14. 12 of the next 14. Yeah, I don't think they got it in them. And
1: uh, I think you're right. I think DS9 is going in one direction mainly. And TOS is going in another. So. Yep, but I think it's also very clear that TNG is uh, pretty dominating, and we are yeah, in they, the heart of TNG, so.
2: They have a seven-point lead. Um, there's, again, uh, TOS would have to win a, a ton of their episodes to climb ahead of TNG before they went out. Yeah, uh, Deep Space Nine has a lot of time to catch them. Yep. So. That's
1: true. Uh, next week's a mailbag. Yeah. Uh, please send us mail. I've been stuffing the mailbox.
2: <laughs> I noticed um, that's, with uh, tweets that apparently did very well in their time, but that I have never seen.
1: There's some. I, although there was one that happened this week that reminded me of one that happened last year, so I had to do. Yeah, both I of
2: figured them. that one out. Yeah, because of that.
1: Um, uh, so that's at brotherdate on the Twitter machine. You can uh, go to brotherdate.com. Um, you can uh, send us email or maybe an audio email if you want. That's brothers at brotherdate.com. Check us out on star trek.com. Um, we're <laughs> definitely on there. Uh Stitcher obviously, uh, Peltor Joy. Peltor Joy. Peltor Joy everybody. It's just well, I mean I would even say Bill Clinton, Mr. Bob Dole, you're too old to understand the way the game's sold, you lame so. gonna hate you with that. I vibes. mean,
2: that is all true.
1: <laughs> That's how I think of the politics in the night.
0: subscribe